dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory i am one of your hosts adam walker and joining me as always is brandon hayden and john hoffman and tonight's show is brought to you by wicked wangos because nothing sticks in your hair like come wicked wangos hair products to keep your hair smooth (laughs) and shiny premium hair shellac I'm going to go ahead and give that a five-star review on Google because I used it tonight. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> you guys are looking at my hair right now. What do you think? Does, this, does the product speak for itself? Lustrous. Very dapper. Very dapper. Yes, you look like um, you're um, you're a, a, a very dapper, almost like a, a Fabian. I don't even know yep. what I'm saying here. That's the that's the nice thing about these sponsors is getting the free products. The free products sent, to, sent straight to your doorstep. There's nothing like being sponsored. I'm telling you. We should oh, really it, offset. We should really offset the podcast fees with the um, the demo reviews. You know of the products. Yeah. Seriously, nothing like doing something with a little, just a little bit of stuff. You know, like <laughs> what, what am I trying to say? Doing something with nothing, something with nothing. Yeah. No, I like yeah. keep that doing something with a little bit of stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, like, that's like that's better. No, I meant to say you're you're a real dandy. That's what I meant. You're just a, real, a dandy. I'm a I'm a dandy Warhol. You're so a dandy of Dan. Speaking of dapper dans and cool hair and all that, 
let's talk about tonight's movie that is your uh, pick again, John. The best of the best, 1989's The Best of the Best. So that's right. I uh, I'll be honest with you. This is going to be an interesting episode because I've seen this movie like a hundred billion times since I was a kid, and only this time. Only watching it this time did I start to realize that this movie uh, – we'll get into is, it. It's not your kind of movie? No. I mean I still like it. It's just like it's, – it's, it, there's a whole different dynamic when you're analyzing a movie for a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it really is. It's funny that you mentioned that because there's been so many movies that I went into <laughs> – this show with thinking I love this movie and then I watch it like critically and I'm like eh, this movie kind of sucks dude straight <laughs> up I, I didn't even want to use the word sucks because there's so much that we're going to get into but yeah this movie kind of fucking sucks you know it's funny <laughs> that will be interesting because I kind of felt the opposite I mean okay we're gonna we're gonna get into like what I like about it obviously but you know this is just further proof that I I'm very anti-bias. I don't like bias in my life. I like to to know that I go through life without having a bias. And so, yeah, being able to look at a movie that you've loved your whole life critically and then all of a sudden being able to like critique it like negatively, I mean, that's just proof that you're like really not holding – that you're not being stubborn with what you've – with what you've come to know, you know? Yeah. I agree. There's movies that I've loved for my whole life too. That sometimes when I watch them now, I'm like, Gremlins is one. I love Gremlins. I watch it sometimes now, and I'm like, that would never happen. <laughs> oh, I can't suspend mean, my disbelief mean, anymore. <laughs> wait, you mean to tell me that that the story of Gremlins is is not realistic? Come on. <laughs> no, specifically like the science of it. So you know how when they get water, hi Krista. When they get water put on them, that creates more gremlins or more mogwais, right? Well, of course. what about when they're all dancing around in the snow? That's water. Right. Yeah, good call, dude. It's not good making call. more of them. It's just crystallized water. Yeah, dude. I mean, you sound like fucking Brandon right now. Like really, hey. really, <laughs> really <laughs> digging into the logic here. Will you just settle down? All right. Just settle yourself, man. I mean, well, these are important things to factor in. You know, dude this this is now this is not a time to settle down. I've been settled all day. Yeah, time I know get- you're, you're you're ready to get pumped up with some like, uh, <laughs> just a, just a little bit of like, just boy talk, racist comments to get you jazzed up for that knockout punch, just dude, like our man shit. Travis. <laughs> no shit, dude. I'm 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 channeling my inner Travis already. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Um, well, I don't know, you know, I was gonna say, Brandon, I don't know if you know this about John, but I know I, I feel j- like John has a real soft spot in his heart for eighties martial arts related flicks, which yeah. we all do to a certain extent. But I think it's something near and dear to your heart particularly, John. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I'll be honest with you, like, I like this movie not because it's, like, a martial arts movie. I like it because it's a cheesy mullet drama. Yeah. <laughs> that's, totally. that, that's, that's a new genre. <laughs> mullet, mullet drama. That's what this is. 
Well, and the thing that if I was if I was a listener to this show, now that we're a few a few rounds in now with all three of us, I would know this was a John pick if I didn't even hear it. Dude, I know that's what I'm saying. I think I said this on like a like a maybe the last episode how already it's been just like what five episodes six episodes already it's like clear what are like what we each bring to the table individually right and then obviously how much we fucking rock when we're together but like we're the three amigos you know yeah we're like the five dudes on the karate team but three of us we're like no? the Trace Hombres. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You're the best of the best, guys. The best. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, okay, so this is your movie, like I said. So go ahead, give a little off the top if you want. Talk about your relationship with it. You can hand it off to us, then, and then we'll talk about the, the, the meat of the movie, John. Right on, right on. Well, let's get started then. Um, this episode, as aforementioned, is Best of the Best, released in 1989 in the United States. Director Robert Radler, who I'm going to be honest, I think the world could give a fuck less about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I looked at his filmography. I'm going, don't care. Boring. I mean, this is like, this is a really fucking sad filmography. This is like... Like I'm pretty sure I like me making up movies I've directed is more impressive than this dude's actual filmography. Yeah. Um, so I mean it's almost not even worth going into. Let's just say that this is probably his breakout film and that's saying a lot. Um, well it was it was you, you like his one of his first films and he also directed like a lot of Power Rangers episodes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like a TV guy. He did like an LA Heat episode or maybe several or maybe he was like Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I I think I would have been very surprised if either of you gave a shit about this guy. You <laughs> so you're not going to you're not going to talk about his highlight uh breakout documentary mm-hmm. Turn It Up. I did see that. A celebration of the electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude. I'm going to be honest. I, I I saw the title and didn't even look into it that much. And now I regret that I, that I didn't. It sounds like, it sounds like every single thing I just said was bullshit. And now I have to recant. Yeah, he pretty much has covered. He pretty much just does the best of the best movies. I mean, yeah. Oh wait, did, did he do the sequels too? Oh, excuse me. No, he, he got really hyped on doing the sequels to the substitute. You remember that Tom Berenger movie from like <laughs> the eighties, then treat Williams did the second one. And then he picked up three and four and yeah. Right substitute on in space. I don't know about that. I'm going to be honest. I think I had this guy all wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he did a Pam Anderson film and VIP. Oh, VIP was a show, wasn't it? Yeah, VIP was a show. Hercules, Kevin Zorbo, what's wrong with that? Nothing, man. I feel like a jackass. Dude, this guy's better than fucking Scorsese. (laughs) Um, Okay. So anyway, anyway, um, directed by Robert Radler, starring Eric Roberts – very, very, you know, well-known name in in the the film world. Um, Philip Ree, who – I actually, as a kid and as a teenager and all that, like kind of like did research on, on this guy and his brother, Simon Ree, who, um, you know, both martial artists, um, 
and you know we can get into that but you know both in this movie um james earl jones who is fucking timeless i mean you don't know who james earl jones is then fuck you um chris penn sean penn's younger brother who is uh you know obviously not as good of an actor but still been in plenty had plenty of good cool roles yeah i i can't think of a role i can't think of a one that i didn't like him in. he was in true romance yep true um R- reservoir dogs um well i really like him as nice guy eddie yeah that's um, great 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 he's, he, he's in at close range with sean penn and uh mary stewart masterson um the, the madonna movie you know I, I because of some of the previously mentioned films he was in it was hard for me to take him seriously in this movie as being a like a tough guy at all because he's just like a kind of like a ham pile prick in all these <laughs> other movies you know i mean he's definitely a ham pile prick in this movie too though that's true but you notice everybody else you get the montage of them pumping up he's just fucking ham pile in a t-shirt you know <laughs> Yeah, we, I've definitely got some things to say about the character character of Travis Brickley, but and his cool cool cowboy duds just eating his what does he say fucking lamb chops? Now that's a man's meal or something. <laughs> spare ribs, spare ribs, spare ribs. Yeah. Um, and then you know the other name Sally Kirkland, who's like been in some stuff, um, but I I'm not like really versed on her too much, but um, but yeah the. the the you know the cast is is what it is um i wrote this synopsis myself just i always like to do that instead of looking it up i always just like to come up with my own synopsis quite possibly the the most boring simplest synopsis i will ever come up with in my life five american martial artists are selected to represent the united states national karate team in competition with north korea well um, I, th- I think mine's more boring. Adult karate kid. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Or like a lot of people were like criticizing about this. Rocky, if it was karate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Kar- even think. Karaki. <laughs> See, in order to say that, you kind of have to be indicating that this is like at all a fantastic film. And it is obviously – I don't think we can give it that, even if we even if we liked it. It's not the uh, best of the best, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, I, far from I, it. I don't even know if it's the best of the worst. Yeah, well. Um, but moving on, budget of five million, box office gross one point seven million. So a colossal, a colossal figure. I'm honestly curious how it took five million dollars to make this movie. Yeah, um, lots of like slow mo shots. Yeah, I mean, this movie I feel like could have been made for one point seven million dollars easily. Sure. Um, so yeah, box office gross, pretty pretty colossal failure. Critical reception, universally negative and generally unfavorable. Straight out of Wikipedia on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. A couple, but, a couple, a couple of things that uh, Siskel and Ebert had said in in their review, I kind of agreed with, with how just like on the nose predictable everything is in the movie. Um, yeah. To a point. I, I'll get into that later, but 
Yeah. Well, the, the the best quote that I saw also in that same Wikipedia program was one critic called it an appalling waste of talent, which <laughs> is like a really, really hilariously like mean thing to say about any movie. So I really Appal- like that one. Appalling. <laughs> this is an appalling waste of talent. Like props to that critic for just like going all out, trashing this thing. Um that's a pretty good line, I think. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, you know, I I can just go right into my relationship with this movie. This is one of hundreds of movies that my grandfather taped off of HBO and showed me as a kid because what the hell else am I going to do at my grandparents' house, right? Yeah, sure. So, so besides watch Child's Play and then on, a, on the, another week, uh, Best of the Best, you know? Um so yeah, this is one of those movies that I I, I saw on VHS because it was taped off of cable, yeah. um, and I mean the thing about this movie is that for a kid or an adult, it's a pretty easy watch. It's like it's not a challenging watch. Like I mean, this is what I, one of the things I'll get into in the good, but I mean, it's like it's like a there's like a fast and entertaining pace to it. You know, um, right from the start. So, I mean, I'll get more into that. But, yeah, I mean, I just I just liked it. You know, I mean, who I don't know many kids that wouldn't like any movie where people are punching and kicking each other. So, well, right. It it, it has a similar um, kind of story like a karate kid or something where, you know, there's a there's the good guys, the bad guys. You got to train to get ready for the event or whatever. Lots of montages. there's enough, there's enough fast-paced things going on in it to keep you interested. Um, yeah, I, I yes. kind of, it's kind of similar for me. My my brother and I just consumed all martial arts stuff. Um, yeah, you know all that '80s stuff like Bloodsport, all the Van Damme movies, the early Steven Seagal stuff, Above the Law. Um, to some degree, the Stallone stuff, but it was, it was Stallone got way more dramatic than than these pictures. So this was one through twenty, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tom Poe and all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this was one of those movies that came in at that time where it was just, I don't know who's in this, I don't know who Eric Roberts is, just rent it, watch it, and I seem to remember renting this a few times. We also liked it when we were younger. I, I really liked it, but I also like I, – I also don't lump it in with with other other martial arts movies that are like arguably like most of the ones that you mentioned. I mean I think Karate Kid is probably a better comparison because it's got that like mom drama feel to it. I mean I, I even said that term in I think the, the Bad Boys episode. But like um, – it's got that kind of like appeal to it, whereas like some of the other movies you just mentioned are like still pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, you know of what I mean. Uh, I so. mean, nobody really dies in this movie. There's obviously um, yep. Tommy's brother, that, but uh, yeah, uh, exactly. That's why I call this adult karate kid. There's yeah, that's, really that's, that's actually of, pretty, pretty good. There's I, not a lot of repercussions here, you know. <laughs> that's actually one of the things I wanted I wanted to make a point about in a little bit. But um, so you watched this as a kid then too, Brandon. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've, I've watched this movie um, 
uh, a fair amount through my life, I'd say. Because this was like a USA special kind of movie as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, at some point, you know, after the point in which I watched it, when we rented it for the first time, just blindly trying out martial arts films. Um, <laughs> yeah, my relation to it now, I mean, after watching it <clears throat> over period of some years and then coming back to it it's uh really it's kind of a weird movie (laughs) (laughs) the stuff that they chose to put into the movie for dramatic value and then the the things that they left out and just kind of the pacing it's it's decent pacing like i've watched it twice since yesterday um you know what this movie kind of like based kind of what you're you're getting at like this movie kind of reminds me of like a father who just has like no relationship with his son at all and is desperately trying to like connect to him somehow, but just like, tr- <laughs> but he's trying out like all these things that he thinks are going to work. It's the most <laughs> novice attempts. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of what this movie is to me. Like, like trying to be this like legit drama, but it's like, you're, you're, you're kind of like trying all the things that you think on paper seem like a good idea and then just not cutting it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah, that that that's good. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to adjust my synopsis now. It's adult karate kid failed father picture. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, Adam, what about you? I'm curious. It, it, is this a movie that you had seen before? No, it's my first time. Excellent. I love that. So that's where I think maybe my perspective on it might be interesting comparatively maybe to you guys yeah i mean i'm I'm open to just hearing real quick like just what before we get into the good the bad and the questionable what what did you think of it i liked it i actually liked it a lot i was not bummed at all during the whole thing uh yeah i was surprised how much i liked it compared to how much shit this movie got apparently that my I mean, let, me, let me clarify. I'm not, I was not bummed, and I did still enjoy watching it again because I've watched that movie a few times this year. But yeah, I mean, it's just a whole different take on it when you're criticizing it, you know. Um, sure. But go on, go on. Well, yeah. So being that we're all kind of of a similar age range, you know, obviously I have a certain sentimental relationship with these type of movies as well because I grew up watching all that those type of movies too in the eighties, the martial arts and you know, the, the, the very, the, the masculine patriotic Reagan era movies, you know, totally. like that's why I love Stallone. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't give a shit about Steven Seagal. I think he's a fucking dipshit, but I genuinely <laughs> do like as people, I love Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously politics wise couldn't be further from these dudes, but like, I would love to hang out with them. Like when I, Isn't it? yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Like, like Schwarzenegger is like a genuine influence of mine. You Absol- know? Dude, it's like, it's like, okay. If you found out that Michael Jordan was like, you know, some Republican, I mean, would Which you, he probably would you is. Really, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I really don't know. But I mean, my point is, is like, would you give a shit? I wouldn't because dude, Michael Jordan Literally, I mean, it, it sounds cheesy, but like literally like kids like me, like believed in themselves because of this man. 
like straight yeah. up. You know, and same can be said for Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger. Like, I mean, just being able to watch something badass as a kid like pumps you up and just like gives you that energy that you need to be a kid. You know? <laughs> yeah, but you you see the you see the type of human detritus that's coming out of that generation. You go, I wonder if you were watching something else that was equally badass but less machismo. If you would have been a cooler person now. <laughs> You know? yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think, I think that there needs to be other factors in your upbringing besides a, a Stallone movie. Dude, but I was raised in front of the television. It's a miracle that I'm not like a tap out truck, fucking, uh, um, you know, tap out shirt, tap out sticker on my big truck guy or something. I mean, um, dude, it's never, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Let's be let's be on the right side of the history about this one. You know? <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, I, I have I have a fondness of this particular kind of formula. Whether it's and that's you know that's a big criticism of it. It's it was very formulaic, but I don't know. I like a lot of things that are formulaic. I like hardcore and metal and things that are complete repetitions of the same formula over and over again. I like horror movies. I like slasher movies. It is, it's just, you know, the same fucking thing over and over again. I don't know. So I mean, I, I say this every episode, but this, I mean, this podcast exists because the three of us like movies that lo- a lot of people think are shit. I agree. So it's like, I mean, this movie is no different, you know, and, I, and I'm definitely not trashing it. Um, I don't know. I do think that's- I was going to say, I don't know if it's necessarily that a lot of people think movies like this are shit. I think the majority of people in the U.S. have bad, what is considered bad taste. You know, and I guess what, I'm trying to invocate that there's a particular quote that John Waters said that there's a difference between having bad taste and having good taste but recognizing the charm and things that are bad. I guess that's kind of the way, like campiness. You know, you can have good taste and recognize the charm and camp, and camp and cheese and stuff like that. There's a difference between like people like you and I that like we recognize that, but then there's people that just straight up like bad movies and are oblivious to why they're bad. Totally. Like you know? somebody that would uh you know, go see Titanic and be like, That deserved the Oscar. Right. Where it's like it's like, okay, well the problem is is that like I admittedly like movies that are like a billion times shittier than this, but I know why. And like you for <laughs> some reason you you for some reason don't see why Titanic, although epic and great in many ways, is also a pile of shit. Right. Right. Cause that's and you know, I've talked about that before, especially with Pat and I's dynamic when we were you know, doing this together is Pat definitely would focus more on those big budget flop type things. That was his thing. So I liked having that discussion with him because I don't necessarily gravitate towards wanting to discuss those. I watch them and I enjoy them for what the mess they were. But, you know, if you just, if you just, the, the inertia of, of my interest will always gravitate towards probably the more low budget stuff and the big budget, you know, that's a whole nother thing under itself. 
that you know a whole other discussion that you could have about like this you were just saying why would this movie cost five million dollars you could literally do the same movie on like a fraction of that budget well part of it is probably because of those actors and that is a discussion about how yes you have a talented cast that is not put in the hands of a capable director and screenwriters yeah, you not know? to right. mention all the filming and flights to Korea for the tournament. They <laughs> right, that alone the, probably cost most of it. The whole goddamn family there. Jesus Christ. I just want to say one last thing to Adam's point before we move on to uh, the good, the bad, and the questionable with this. Because I, I just want to say there's also a, a, a difference between art and entertainment, even though the two get lumped together. So – you can look at anything artistically, and of course you're going to be having a different conversation. But the mm-hmm. idea that entertainment needs to be taken seriously is really disturbing. I agree. Because it's yeah. literally entertainment. Like whatever makes you happy. Like yeah. ignorance is bliss in this case. You know what I mean? Or yeah. or, or, or bummed out. I mean entertainment doesn't always – you know isn't always synonymous with having a good time. Like I'm pretty sure going to a Gigi Allen show isn't fun, but you go because it's entertaining, you know, it's also not good art necessarily. It's just, it's something to do that breaks up the normality of things. Yeah. I think, I I think the the thing that makes Gigi Allen artistic is the idea of the statement that it makes against what is perceived to be a, you know, a just society. I think yeah, that like he would have said that it, himself it, too. <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, same thing with like something like anal cunt. Like it's like a, it's like a very, it's like a very purposeful statement against like bullshit basically. But most against people white society. Look, right. But which has its own pitfalls. Yeah. But like, most people would see it as some sort of accident. And the the genius behind it is that it really isn't. Yeah. It's just done in a way that is so trashy that it tricks you. Yeah. Um, that's another that's another episode for a different type of podcast, I think. Um, right, right. But well, yeah, yeah, anyway. I, th- I was gonna say I think that's good off the top, so let's move on unless anybody else has anything to add. Uh I just wanna add that I'm curious what you guys think about this, but I don't give a shit about action films, modern action films, like all the new Jason Statham movies or whoever, Michael Jai White, whatever it is. But anything that was made in this time with Lundgren, with, um, you know, Stallone, Van Damme, especially Van Damme, I'm going back in in his old catalog and just watching anything I can. They all have a certain charm to them. Do do you guys feel the same way? Well, okay, I totally do. I was gonna say I have one notable retort to that. I do really like the John Wick movies. I think they're pretty phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's some good stuff, but I don't seek it out like I seek this out. Yeah, I would put I would put something like a Jason Statham movie on when we're having a party, just to put on in the background or to fall asleep to, because it's it's just nauseatingly boring um, milk toast shit that I can just knock out to, you know, I don't actually. There's kind of a cool story behind, behind the wick movies. Like, yeah. And you know, Keanu Reeves is like a pretty, pretty 
bad actor, but I think that the thing that is cool about the Wick movies is how excellent he pulls off this character. Like, yeah. there literally can't be. I mean, it's it's like it happens so fast, but like there is not anybody that can that can be John Wick besides Keanu Reeves now. Like, yeah, that's it. He's inextricably tied to the character, right? Well, and I was going to yeah. say too, as far as like that point goes, with you saying like how there's this you know dichotomy between now, like nowadays action and the action of the '80s is that's why I think a lot of people were real hype on the Expendables. That's why I was. Mm. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I mean, to that point, I it's like most of these guys doing movies now. I don't give a shit about those movies either. Like Expendables was kind of that. Okay, this is interesting because they all are clowning on the personas that they've been through all of their career as mm. one melting pot of of martial arts macho bullshit. But you know, most of these guys, like Schwarzenegger's, made a handful of movies in the last ten years. Don't care about any of them. Um, I think Stallone's probably done some. Man, the the one we were watching the other day was a John Travolta action movie called I Am Wrath. If you want to laugh, I recommend it. But um, I'm laughing already. By and large, it's like that era of movies with those guys. It was just a special thing. Maybe it probably has a lot to do with nostalgia because we were all younger at that time. But... um, it just for don't the make, pur- they don't make them like they used to. For for the purpose of discussion, real quick, like I'm I'm just gonna challenge maybe even you both, but at least you, Brandon. Like, why are we comparing this to those movies? I mean, like, best of the best, it is an '80s kickboxing drama, but it doesn't have that vibe to, in my opinion. Like, it, and it doesn't have any notable action stars in it. Um, so I'm not sure why we're putting this on the same le- like on the same page as like Universal Soldier. Uh, I guess I even bring it up just because this movie, uh, all of its, um, it has a motif to it that is indicative of its time. Even though it's not like those movies, as soon as the in the first five minutes of movie, there's a theme song. <laughs> going yeah. you know i mean like you know mm-hmm. those kind of movies where there's a best of the best song written for the movie i'll give you this i, you I totally get it, <laughs> I get it. Uh, you see hard working joe at his at his fucking car gm factory <laughs> job and the song kicks in right off the top i'm going okay this is totally a movie from my childhood you know. I think I think that I think that what we're all agreeing on now is that like like the mullet like shitty 80s rock music driven like dramatic movie that also centers around martial arts is the link between all of these movies yeah. um, and not not necessarily like violence or like the action star. Right. Exactly. There's a certain right motif to this type of film and this is albeit it is a different story completely it it doesn't shy away from that same kind of overall um okay yeah i'm on i'm on the same page that being said let's move on to the good the bad and the questionable starting with the good i don't want to find you guys we're out of here 
I want him. I want his balls. I thought you were missing a pair, asshole. Hey, shut up, Travis. You're dead, pal. I'm happy to hand, uh, take this if you want. Yeah, I'll take the reins on this no. one. <coughs> okay. Sorry. I have at the top of mind. Um, I actually think Eric Roberts is a very handsome man in this. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree. I'd agree. He's looking good. He's, he's, he's saying all the right things, doing all the right things. And I would say I do like the character overall of Alex Grady. And again, going back to this thing that we've had uh, a few different discussions about, the, the working man. You were just saying that. What happened to the working man in, in, in films? We got a, a guy who he's just trying to earn a living and get an honest paycheck working down at the at the Chevy plant or whatever. But GM. he has a says it on GM. Thank you. GM. He's got his one true love, though, that he had to take you know an early retirement from due to an in- injury. And now he's got his chance to make a comeback. I always, yep. also like the underdog sto- story. That's what's so great about Rocky. You know, again, this is obviously a replicated motif and a cliche, but I like that. I like the underdog story. You know, I mean, this is actually one of my my questionables. Um, but I don't. I think underdog is a little bit of an understatement with this, based on like the magnitude that they put up as the Korean team throughout this sure. movie. Yeah. Um, like I, I think underdog is somebody that still has a chance and like, I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd actually rather wait until we get to the questionable on this, but like just to kind of foreshadow a little bit, like I think underdog yeah. is a little bit of an understatement when it comes to the American team in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree that that, that is a good point, but so I, I busted the seal here with my goods. Go ahead, Brandon. Sure. Give us uh, some good. I, yeah, I like um, I like all of the – it's just like a classic montage type of movie. The, the, the forum <laughs> is there for it to be. So I like that there's, I don't know, at least five good montage scenes. That is also indicative of, of that 80s kind of feeling, you know. You see the you see the guys back here in the states getting their chops together and trying to pull it all together, and then you see the guys in Korea and they're fucking karate, karate chopping trees and shit in the snow. <laughs> you know, I like that. Yeah. Um, that was appealing to me. Yeah, this is a very montage heavy movie for sure. Right. So in, in that sense, again, yes, it is. It really does layer the cliches pretty thick. It is. It's. It's kind of like. Well, I kind of feel this way about Action USA, which you watched a little bit with me, and I want to talk no. about this. Whereas Action USA, I feel it was intentionally made to be a very tongue-in-cheek, um, hyperbolic representation of action movies. It's kind of the same thing with this, where it's. It's like let's take all of the cliches and just stack them on top of each other as much as possible. So let's have numerous montages. Let's have oh, yeah. a very, very extended, and I'm going to add this into my good, amazing bar fight. Uh, bar well, brawl. yeah, okay. So I want to mention that also. Um, <laughs> there are some badass tunes going on in that bar brawl. The Devil Made Me Do It by Golden Earring. 
I love that band, you know, like a kind of obscure Dutch 70s rock band. And they put them on not once, but twice in this movie. So yeah, because there's radar, radar Loves playing radar. when they're walking in the hallway. Exactly. So they must have just been easy to, to buy the rights from them or something for this movie. <laughs> they put them on twice, and uh, I thank them for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, John? Give me one. All right. Um, so, I mean, I, I have some specific goods about this, but like the general ones are just – I like that it's like – I said this earlier, like a, just a very fast and entertaining pace, like right from the start. It's like quickly established premise. Movie gets going right away. It's a very easy watch, you know. Um, it's it's just endearing, you know. Yeah. Like scene after scene, like there's nothing nothing complicated going on. It's just like a very easy watch, and it's it's entertaining right from the start. Yeah, it, um, it, it quickly trims the fat. Yep, totally. Um, and even like, even like some of the unnecessary scenes, like him, like, you know, riding, riding, like teaching his kid to ride a bike. I mean, it's just like quickly establishes like the type of like wholesome person that this dude is. And I, that's another good for me. Like a general one is just like, there's a lot, a lot of good, wholesome and funny characters in this movie. Like it's there's people you don't like, but there's also people that you do like, and it's just like everybody is kind of just an enjoyable person in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I don't yeah. know if you guys would agree with that or not. With, with uh, well, I was gonna say maybe a little yeah. bit with the exception. It's like yes, Travis is definitely a prick, and you're kind of like, okay, this guy, you know, whatever, he kind of sucks. But yes, he's also endearing because he's just a you know he's a good old boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's a, a definite like racist piece of shit. Um, but I think that goes back to that discussion we were having with which movie we were talking about. With we were talking about, okay, it was with Bad Boys, where I was saying again, where there was this bygone era of people, you know, jibing each other with the racial epithets, epithets yeah. or whatever, and and it's like you know, it's all in good fun amongst the buddies. But it is funny because it almost seems like it did cross too much of a line at times. It certainly, it certainly did in Korea. Yes, it what, certainly what, you did. You want to go kimchi? Boo! <laughs> right. But see, it, it like it's like he says it, and then like it fires him up because he's like, "All right, I'm pissed these fucking people off now. I'm gonna fucking beat this guy's ass." Well, like the, fun, the funniest part to me about that, I didn't know where to put that, so I'm just gonna say it because it doesn't really belong in any of the categories. But I mean, when he says, "You want to go, Kim G," and the whole crowd boos him, and then and then they're going, "Well, they obviously don't," you know. The crowd is is taken back by his conduct. <laughs> his yeah, conduct right. has nothing to do with it. It's the fucking racist diarrhea coming out of his mouth. And then immediately the the commentator says, uh, Oh, that that might have given Travis Brinkley the the fire he needs to get through this round. <laughs> like I know, I, right? all I gotta do is say something racist, then I can <laughs> knock this dude's ass out. I, yeah, I, I think <laughs> Yeah, I think of it that way. It's not that he gets the charge from bumming the other people out. He just gets the charge from being a hateful, <laughs> ignorant, ignorant prick. That's what he needed to fire him up. Yeah. Got, yeah, I, 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 I agree. 
I want to I want to interject like, real like, quick. He, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, John, and then I'll I'll say my piece. I was just agreeing. Like it's like the dude like fires himself up. Like he needs to hear he needs to hear out loud what he's about. <laughs> to be like, yeah. yes. he, could, he could very easily not say any of this stuff, but he right. just yeah. can't help himself. He loves it. Because yep. he's just, yeah, because he's a racist piece of shit. Um, I wanted to say that, speaking of the commentator, I did like the appearance of uh, of Ahmad Rashad, because that's like a throwback. I, I had that on there, too. I said, cool commentator. Dude, I, I yeah. mean, I guess I have to bring it up right now, but that's one of my bads. Really? <laughs> Okay, well, fair it's enough. I, it's not that I don't like Ahmad Rashad, but I just think his placement in this movie is just so fucking dumb. Man, okay. I loved it. I love that he looks directly at the camera and is talking to you. <laughs> yeah, was, right? It was bizarre, but it was like it was kind of I mean, like uh, it helped me understand the wall a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's like breaking the fourth wall. He's like including you, the viewer, into the match. Right. I like yeah. I like when he's like he's like for those of you new to the sport, this is a full contact match. He's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, man. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, okay, so I got some more. I got some more goods here. So those are some general ones. I, I like the characters. I like the 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 pace. I like the the entertainment. Um, some more specific ones. The Korean training scenes are fucking. As good as it gets, I love it. They're the best yeah. of the best. They're the best yep. of the best. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> they actually are really, really badass training scenes. Like at least on the Korean side, the the U.S. is not bad, but it's just kind of like more typical, you know. Yeah. Um, but the the Korean training scenes are are out of this world, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I also love the opening sequence with like the Korean team in the field. Yeah. It just kind of gives like an immediately like kind of like intimidating vibe. Yep. Um, I was going to say then, the same thing. It's a presence. It's a force. Yeah. And I love that they start the movie with it. It's kind of epic. Yeah. Um, and kind of like mysterious in a way too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I also, I, dude, I love the bar fight scene. I think that's, I mean, we can all agree on that. It's so good. You mentioned that. Yeah, it's so fucking good. I like um, specifically there's a spot when like Virgil smacks the guy in the head with the pool lamp. <laughs> yep, yep, he pushes it. But also, maybe you're going to say this, so sorry if I'm stepping on your dick, but like the main bad guy is is uh uh Kane Hodder. Kane yep. Hodder. Right. And From that the, scene where he he punches his girlfriend in the face on accident. <laughs> well, good. And that's that's okay. This is this don't is take no, the, don't take no lip from her, Bert. This is this is one of the times where you can. I'm sure we can all agree that Travis is like kind of cool. <laughs> like right, he's like he like just walks in and steals this dude's woman, and like is like making out with her on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah. And then, He's he's like he, she's like she's like go away, Bert. And he's like yeah, Bert, go away. <laughs> no. And then yeah. and then you know he accidentally hits her, and he's like that's a good move, Bert. Don't yeah. take any <laughs> from her. Yeah, and then like he's that. just kind of dude, another thing that I like, which is kind of like harder to pick up on, but I've seen this movie a hundred times, is he's like consoling his girl. You know, because he obviously just broke her nose or whatever. And he's like saying to Travis, he's like, don't you go. 
Yeah. Like, I want your like, balls. Like, like, almost like, I'll take care of you in a minute. And Travis yeah. just goes, Travis just puts his hands up like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, basically, like, yeah. I'll fucking fight you. Like, whatever. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think I think Travis like his like kind of like tough guy like I don't give a shit about you like is very endearing in that scene because it's like now we have an even bigger piece of shit that he's about to beat his ass you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah agreed I I definitely like seeing Kane Hodder without the mask on it was yeah uh, that was yeah. that was gonna be one of my wormholes um, yeah yeah you know, we'll, we'll just, get to but, it but yeah I only have a few more here um, sure. the uh, the uh let's see um the re brothers so this is actually also in the wormhole but i mean i was going to mention it anyways but uh dehan and and uh tommy are actually brothers in real life mm-hmm. uh and uh simon re who plays dehan actually is like a renowned martial artist like he's like a, a like a, a celebrity martial artist trainer so he's like trained like does he really people. have a does he really have a dead eye <laughs> I, I I know he does not because he's just like a regular guy in real life. Um, but uh, yeah, he he has like a martial arts school, like academy in Woodland, Woodland Hills in California. Um, he's like a eighth degree or black belt in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like a like an actual martial arts guy. Um, yeah. And I also love like the – like the the martial arts stunts that the the Ree brothers do in that movie are like actually them, you know. So it's yeah. like actually choreographed by them and shit. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then finally, um, James Earl Jones. I just I think that he's a generally great actor, like who literally can bring validity to a bad movie. Yeah, I I said this. I just have James Earl Jones down. Everything with him. It has conviction and where you just go, you're talking about grownups going to a karate tournament. It's a little <laughs> bit uh, ridiculous, but he, he, he b- delivers with the drama enough that I'll, I'll stand behind it. He's a, yeah, he's a very versatile actor too. I mean, he's been in so much shit and I mean like even a movie like the Sandlot, like, uh, obviously, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I would say that's a great movie. Um, oh, I love yeah, Sandlot. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but like, I mean, his character in that, like, even though that movie does not need anyone to bring validity to it, like, still, like, his presence in the final scene of that movie is just like fucking fantastic. Yeah. You know? And I think I him being like a main, a main driving force in this movie is really one of the strongest points about it, for sure. Um, so that kind of goes that that was the last year good there. I have one more, but I think it's something that we're all going to touch on later. So I'm going to okay. leave it out for you. Yeah. So to on my good, um, I just put all the drama scenes, meaning like anytime there was like a heart to heart monologue going on, I thought they were all really good for what they were. Eric Roberts obviously shows a lot of himself in the movie and like his. You know, he's very emotional in this movie. He's an emotional guy <laughs> in this film. And he, a lot of guys that can't, they can't pull it off. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty believable. Um, yeah, I, I, I put that. the same thing. I put that I, I felt like it's effective at being emotionally driven without being sappy. Right. Which is also makes it uh, far afield from the other 
action, especially martial arts films of the time. Bloodsport was a little bit emotional, but you know, yeah. this movie time and time again throughout it, it's like there's a funny scene, there's a montage, <laughs> then there's an e emotional drama scene. Then, I mean, there's a lot of it that goes through the hour and a half runtime or whatever. Um, I also put good ending peace and love on planet earth. <laughs> I, <laughs> that, I mean, that is, that is okay. That was my last good. And I was going to say that I could segue into that from you just saying like the drama scenes, you know, yeah. but like I, okay. Some scenes are just written really well. And I think that as cheesy as somebody might choose to look at it, I think that final scene is fucking fantastic. It's really I think good. Too, I, I, yeah, I I mean for as um for as predictable as as this movie is, I actually had forgotten that the US the US doesn't win in the end and that they get uh -huh. this whole camaraderie from the Koreans and they do the metal pass off and stuff. Um and that kind of took me by surprise, you know, that you, you think when this movie starts up, okay, I already see it. This guy, he's a single father, you know, this dude, he's going to get redemption for his, his kid brother that gets killed and all this stuff. You just know they're going to win, but they don't, but in a way they win, they win it. They win right here. They win inside. <laughs> Dude, I, I – this is one of my quotes. So like obviously I'm pulling from something later too. But when James – when uh, Coach Cuzo like kind of like consoles Tommy after after the – like he basically like forfeits the match to save Dehan's life. Um, even though you see how tempted he is to get his, his, his vengeance, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like when Cuzo says like you won that match, don't ever forget that. Yeah. I think that's a powerful scene. Like, the, like he's basically saying, like, like in the end, like a, a a heartfelt good deed, like doing what you know is right, is always what makes you win. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I fully and, agree. I think that that whole ending scene between that exchange between Dehan and Tommy is pretty powerful. It's pretty moving. Yeah. You know that yeah. these sworn enemies are able to find. They're able to squash their beef right there. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how much beef Dehan even has with Tommy. I think Dehan's sure. just like shown as this like ruthless asshole that like is clearly willing to kill for his sport. You know, right. but but I think that you know, obviously, you do see the the like Tommy overcome. I mean, it's. It's kind of a believable scene in an unbelievable way because it is very, very dramatic and like it's it's definitely heightened, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, like, I could believe that. I could believe that with <laughs> with a with a type of sport that requires so much discipline, you would be a severe poor sport to not come give some kind of congratulatory kudos to your opponent, even if they lost and you're a dirty fighter or whatever the case is. It's like, it seems like the Korean team is looking more at it. Like it's war. You do what you have to do to win. And then in the end they go, you guys, you guys won in, in a way. I mean, you, yeah. clearly, you know, Tommy defeated Dehan and, right. he, and he comes to him and gives his confession of, of, 
how sorry he is, how it ended with his, you know, and that he will give whatever he can of himself to make Tommy's Tommy whole. Like that. Is, I, yeah, I'm saying saying I offer myself as your brother. Like right. that's that's pretty fucking powerful. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just. I mean, we can all agree it's a very good scene. Um, yeah, and that was kind of like the 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 final good that I had was okay. that. I got yeah. one more. <laughs> so, um, the uh, remind me, um, uh, Ahmad Rashad, right? The, <laughs> the commentator. <laughs> when when uh, Alex is fighting Sung Young Moon, and he comes in with that comeback blow that gets Alex right before the shoulder cracking axe kick. The commentator says, Sung Young Moon fires back with a vicious aerial back knuckle. <laughs> yep. A vicious I mean, aerial back knuckle. That's vicious yeah, aerial like that's back knuckle. Dude. Just made up. Like, sounds like it's completely made up right there. <laughs> yeah. A back knuckle? What the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I laugh. I laughed to the point where I had to rewind it three times to make sure I knew it that he said what I thought he said. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I'll. I mean, I won't disagree. That's a good <laughs> for sure. Um, um, well, I wanted yeah. to interject here. I don't know because we haven't really talked about her much, but I don't know. I kind of like Sally Kirkland in this. Also, notable for being like this woman was almost fifty in this movie. She looks. Real good, I think so. Anyways, well, yeah, yeah, love is blind, I guess. Okay, <laughs> well, never mind then. No, I think like for like well, for uh, for a, for an eighties babe, she's, she's an eighties eighties I mean, babe, big hair. I, I kind of think she's yeah. like. I think she's presented in the movie to be sort of like supposed to be this like attractive trainer. You know, um, well, right. right? That's 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 quite obvious. Where it's like it's a bit misogynistic when they go. Um, you know what? What is her name in the movie? I can't remember. Wade, it's Coach Wade. Wade. I don't know if you. Co- I don't know Coach. Her name. Yeah, it's not Coach so Wade. Coach, well, okay, is whatever it? her name is, she's going oh, to. Oh, you're right. Show, it is Coach Wade. Sorry. Yeah, demonstrate the the brick chop or whatever, and they all look at each other like, "What? A girl? How the?" Right. You know, yeah, but, they're like very impressive. It's like yeah. none of you guys can fucking do that. Right. Right. Yeah. So. um what I really liked about her character was I really liked it when she gave um, Frank James Earl Jones character, the, the, the hard love talk. Yeah. Goes, you, won't have talk. To, you won't have to buy a ticket to Korea. Cause I'll kick your fucking ass all the way there. <laughs> if you don't let him back, you know, on the team or whatever. It's like, yeah, you, you're, you are a badass. Yeah, she is a she is a genuine badass in this, and yes, obviously there are clear under not even undercurrents. There's clear representations of misogyny here. I think that's that's the whole point, you know. Yeah, yeah. Trying, I, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's intentional, which is good. Yes, it's intentional it, that they're trying to point out the misogyny in within the sport and within society in general, and that this woman clearly is more than capable of the job and she's got to work that much harder to prove herself, even though she's, you know, she's fit for the position. So I mean, we can, we can, we can uh, obviously agree. She's a strong female character in this movie. 
Yes. Um, she's got some yeah, she's got some real strong uh makeup going on too. I had to take a she, video earlier. <laughs> I want. I want to say that I feel like that this movie passes. Passes. You guys are familiar with the Bechdel test, right? Mm. It does pass the Bechdel test. I think. I don't know you what know that what is. I'm talking about. That's nope. where it's basically if a movie within a movie, if it has female characters, if they essentially don't talk about what is considered tropes, like they're not talking about their relationships with men or anything like that. You know, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're rep- absolutely. They're representative of non. Uh, they're represented as being essentially non-sexualized beings that are only you know proven their worth because of their relationship to a, a male partner or whatever. Got yeah, it. Yeah, that that was. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have I would have forgotten to mention that. Of course, it's my own ignorance from being beaten down by especially American cinema. But when she comes into the movie. You, I at least immediately think she's either going to be like a femme fatale, like turn on the whole group somehow in the end, or mm-hmm. she's going to end up being the leading man's lady somehow. Right, which Neither ends those, up not happening. Exactly, which is re- really refreshing. It's just yeah. it's sad to say that it's refreshing. It shouldn't be – should just be – what it is but that doesn't typically happen in movies especially this type of movie especially from this era well she's 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 written as a character that is supposed to challenge this in the first place even with her lines like she says one of her first lines is i was like oh because i'm because i'm a woman well even though i'm a woman and despite this handicap she says (laughs) um you know she's she's willing to call you out like right away from the get-go and there's also a scene where Travis being the asshole he is like, she's like, any questions? He says, what's your phone number? And she like immediately like rejects it without getting all pissy about it. You know? Yeah. She immediately rejects it and says, I'm here to help you win. You know? So it's like they, they write this character to reject what she's up against. Well, because you know? she is, she's in a Zen mindset. She's, she's a right. master of the Eastern arts, right. <laughs> As they, which brings me, I have questions about that, that I will bring up, but nonetheless, I do like her character in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I do too. Um, I wanted to bring up one more good before we move on, unless you guys have anything else, but, uh, I really, I do love Grady's fight scene. And I think it also was very, moving and powerful when he he's sitting there in agonizing pain screaming to have his shoulder popped and they're all like you need to throw the fight you need to throw the fight and he's he's just like no pop my shoulder pop my shoulder and you know he just puts his arm in a sling and it's tommy that does it you know and like he like basically pushes don out of the way to like just do it you know and like yeah. kind of takes charge of that situation. And like there's so much to be said about like Tommy and Grady's like friendship in this movie in multiple scenes where you just like, you know, like even as something as simple as like, you know, them hanging onto each other's coats, you know, because yeah. he like he, he comes to the airport and he's got his coat ready for him. And he's like, I owe you one, you know, like they, 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 lift each other up and talk, like, call each other out. Like 
it's a very, very inspiring and strong friendship in the movie. And when Tommy pops his shoulder, that's kind of like the last chance that he has to like be like, look, like this is what he wants. I'm doing right. 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 And I wanted to also comment on how I do like I think this is also good writing, too, in the sense that, you know, they make Kuzo or they make, you know, James Earl Jones character unlikable at that one point where he's just not willing to relent on his rigidity with Grady. And he's he's basically like, you're off the team, even though it's it's completely absurd that he wouldn't accept him back after going to go check on his son. But when they get into the details as to why, when he's having that conversation with Wade, where it's like, he's very, very serious about it. He's, he's, he does not want the same tragedy to fall any of his students that happened with Tommy's brother to the point where he's willing to be that strict about hard. having somebody not very be committed yeah, to the task. And I liked how it turned, they pivoted, because you're just like, man, fuck this guy. But then you're like, oh, he actually has a very, very like deliberate moral reason for it. It's not just about the competition, you know. So yeah, right. He he says it earlier that I my job is to make these guys champions. It's not for them to like me or anything yeah. like that. It's to win. And, but, and, yeah. and part of that, John, I guess, is is winning more than the championship. I mean. In martial arts yeah. and things like that, it's it's about controlling your inner equilibrium or whatever. So, kind of leads into it. What what do you got? You got that disgusting. Say, I feel like John disagrees. It's not even a, a straight disagreement. I I get it. I I do. I I think that like one of my questionables is is involving like his reaction to Grady's kid like hurting himself, um, yeah. because. It, it's just so fucked up. But anyway, let's let's get to that. Um, okay, well, you want to talk about the bads. Let's talk about bads. Yeah. Straight up bads, sure. and then we'll get it. Okay, go ahead. I'll go first here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Um, my first here is just cheesy, bad, and lame dialogue. You know, not including some of the, the things that we've praised about this movie, obviously. But – there is plenty, in my opinion, of cheesy, bad, lame dialogue in this movie. That's just like you're just like ah. Oh how, yeah, let, let let me because I I have something right in there. Uh, this is a quote from when they're in the bar and Sonny says it to one of the guys. Ooh, sweet belly button. I'm gonna give it a shot. <laughs> when they're yeah. all trying to they're all trying to get some trim, and he sees some girl walk by with a short shirt. Ooh. Sweet belly button. I'm gonna yeah, get shot. And then immediately Alex is like, he's a dog. Yeah. And and like his you know, and Tommy laughs, and it's just this is just kind of fucking fucking bad. Like I don't I don't know what another another way to describe it. Like there's moments in the movie where I'm just like this is just this just kind of is lame. Like <laughs> There's a whole not, lot not of a way that makes me feel like fantastic, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's my first bad is just like, I think this movie is chock full of that. Um, sorry, Adam, this is going to conflict with, with you here. Um, <laughs> but, and maybe you too, Brandon, but Eric Roberts attempts to act in this movie. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, 
But I am saying he's a pretty bad actor in this movie. Um, oh, Eric Roberts is not a great actor. Yeah, not, yeah I, I mean, I, it. I think there's there's moments in this movie where it's just like, God damn, this this is why for whatever his name is, Robert Radler needed to use the cut feature a little bit more often in this. Cut, redo that, Eric. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe. I mean, for a movie that that lost 3.3 million dollars like fucking redo a few scenes for real um maybe you know i considered this recently when i watched um vince neal trying to give this like shout out happy birthday to somebody (laughs) the dude's name is say that you know those things you can do where it's like you can pay for a celebrity to shout someone out that you know oh yeah yeah, yeah, cameo Cameo. Yeah, cameo. Okay. So let's yeah. say the dude's name is Ron or something. You know, it's my brother Ron's 40th birthday. He loves Motley Crue. And and Vince <laughs> gets on there and he's like, hey, Jake, buddy. Yeah, happy birthday, man. Like, <laughs> he was given this big paragraph of shit that he's supposed to say. This is what he came up with. So it leads one to wonder either option A, he was just totally wasted off his ass and didn't give a fuck. Just took the $400 and drank it away and sent out whatever. Option B <laughs> is more likely that this was the best out of like 10 takes. Right. It, was the, it was the best. It was the best of the best. And so he went with it. It's possible that Radler, this was the best he could get out of Eric Roberts. So that's where all the money went. The 3.3. Mill went to the all these fucking cuts, you know. Touche, man. Touche. That reminds me of uh, you guys are Simpsons fans, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, you know the part where Mr. Burns makes the short film. Mm, I, don't I don't know, know if I've seen that one. Ah, uh, it's it's with Jay, with uh, Jay Sherman, the critic. You know, the critic, uh, the cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's you guys they, know what I'm talking about. It stinks. Yes, Mr. Sherman. Everything stinks. There's a Simpsons episode where where Mr. Burns makes this like egomaniacal like short film about himself. Um, Oh, 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 that's the film episode. Barney has one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barney does one. (laughs) And anyway, there's a scene where like Mr. Burns is supposed to come in on like a fucking – donkey or something or a horse or something and he like falls off the horse and he looks at smithers and he's like we did 20 takes and that was the best one (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm not disagreeing yeah nobody's a great actor in this despite the fact that there are some very moving powerful scenes no i like like roberts I, but I, yeah, there was nothing about him that to me. I'm just like, there was no point where I'm like, oh my god, please, brother. You know, yeah, it was well, to, for for me, I would say that he. It, it is obvious to me that he is giving more of himself than the other people in this film, but also more than one might give in these drama scenes in any kind of film. A lot of people just don't let it go like that. You so know? you're giving him an A for effort. Yeah, more more Here's than an A for effort. Here's the thing. Right. I don't think he's any worse than, say, Sylvester Stallone, who, again, is one of those people that, yeah, he's made movies that I love and find dearly, but 
he's not a good actor. No, but hey, that that con- confession at the end of Rambo Senior. Yo, first back time. the fuck up for a second. Run time. Oh no! Whoa! Wait, wait a second. Hold on. Stallone is a fucking phenomenal actor. Like, I'm not saying he's a phenomenal actor in everything he's been in. Right. But he's fucking fantastic in Rambo and he's unbelievable in in Rocky. Um, Okay. That is is two franchises out of an entire man's – grown-ass man's catalog. Cobra – Oh God, he was stellar in Cobra. Um, over the top. I love him in man. Cobra, but yeah, Here's yeah. But I know him in all those roles. Don't get me Tang- wrong. This Tango is and Cash. I think you're misunderstanding I, me, John. No, no, no. no I'm no, not I, though. That's I'm. I. I can't. Um. I cannot for one second say that I think Stallone is not a good actor. There's there's moments. There's moments where Stallone will have like an acting scene where you're like, okay, that sucked. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I think that's I think that he is a good actor. Um, I mean, he's certainly okay. So he is. Uh, he's definitely a tr- he's a trained actor. He he comes from a he comes from a world of theater. He he genuinely was trying to be a good actor as opposed to someone like. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who just kind of fell into it, you know, and that shows as well. I guess this is okay. This is one thing I will. This is the one thing I will give to you, and I don't even know if this is what you're saying, but this is one thing I'll give. He he definitely has. He's never put in a challenging role, you know. Like he basically has roles written for him, and so it's it's not as difficult to nail that as it would be for like. You know, fucking what's I mean, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio, who I, I consider to be an excellent actor, who yeah, has like I agree. Who has like who has like nailed like every role you can think of. Basketball you know I mean? right. diaries, yeah, Gilbert like Grape, Gangs totally. of New York. Those are three totally different types of characters. I'm gonna give you that, okay? Stallone Stallone is not has not had to be you know, put in a position. He's not versatile. He's not a versatile no, actor. He really, he, he, he's gotten at least that. But I mean, he's also got like an immense amount of talent for like what he does. So I guess maybe that's kind of like also swaying my opinion of his acting as well. Because, you know, the more like initially, obviously, you saw my reaction to, to you saying that. But <laughs> Well, but I felt I'm, bad because I love Stallone. So I'm not like trying to be like, I'm not putting Stallone on blast. <laughs> I have a again, yeah. I've said it time and time. I have a genuine admiration for Stallone. I guess that's how I'm kind of looking at the whole thing with Eric Roberts here is like, all right. Well, I mean, you know, it's not apples and oranges here, really, in my opinion. You're making that, me wish that, that Stallone was in this movie. That would be sick. <laughs> That would have been sick, be, but anyways. All right, um, yeah. okay, let's rein it in, guys. Enough, enough fighting all about right. Stallone. You're hey, right. I started it. Yeah, I know. I you started. Did. I was the. Hey, I was you the drew one for his blood. You <laughs> drew for his blood. <laughs> but see, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna own it like a man. Hey, I, I drew first blood, not him. <laughs> I drew. 
<laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, so yeah, let's go. Let's move on. Okay, so I'm gonna just knock these out, okay? Because yeah, I was yeah. going on about Eric Roberts. Um, <laughs> this is something both of you are also gonna disagree with, unfortunately. Shitty ass soundtrack, even for the '80s. No, I. I it was a great soundtrack. I, aside from oh, the I, Golden Earring songs. I didn't like the music, but I appreciated that they had a theme song. And just oh, like I, the 80s. I hate the music in this movie. Shit. I hate it. Um, right. and, you know, I, 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 I like the Golden Earring songs, but I didn't even notice them because of how shitty that theme song is. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's real. I mean, yeah, it's real bad. Dude, there, there is multiple bad songs in this movie that, that, that I. Like, okay, if we're watching like thrashing or something, there's some badass keyboard-driven '80s music in that movie. That's also like, I mean, it's just sick, right? We're watching a movie <laughs> like that, right? But and and ugh. I I would say the one common theme that I can say for myself, at least, with all of these '80s kickboxing movies, is that there is terrible fucking music in that. Like, I don't know. That's 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 my thought. Okay. Um, that's can't stand it. Um, it's not a hill. It's not a hill I want to die on right now. So go ahead. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm being an asshole in this episode. No, um, you're not. Don't ever think that. I. In fact, well, okay, yes, maybe you are, but I want that. I want to draw. I want to draw this out of you. <laughs> It's happening. It's happening as yeah. we speak. Um, That's good. Lack of okay. This is I don't know. This might open up a discussion. Lack of intensity and brutality in the vibe of this movie versus what they kind of paint is at stake. Is, yeah, is I, I agree with that. Is it bad for me? It's it's something I don't think works. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, like it goes back to. This movie, it seems like the entire plot of this movie is way more appropriate to be a kid's movie, to be like a, a teenage a karate kid, you know, 14 to 16 year old kids going on this adventure to beat yes. the other guys. And that might just be clouded because of the parallels I see to Karate Kid with this film. Um but I don't think so. I think I watched it a second time today, try and get a more um, objective approach at it. And just everything doesn't land quite right. The whole coach to mentor, that doesn't land with me with a grown ass man, you know? Yeah, totally. Like I, I agree. And I, that's why I think the Karate Kid comparison is good. But also, we can, we can, Compare it, but also I think – I mean I can say this speaks to why Karate Kid works and this movie kind of doesn't because at the end of the day, Karate Kid is still about a teenage kid that is struggling with bullies and like trying to like gain confidence to like be somebody, right? But that that doesn't exactly work with a bunch of adults that are like almost it, – it's like the movie almost paints it to be this like – death tournament similar to blood sport but it's just not you know i was gonna say the same thing that is why when i say it lands more with a kid's movie because you're not going to be concerned about kids getting killed by fucking brutal axe kicks or something but the other (laughs) thing that's weird 
is that it's like when they go to the tournament, it's like what they want, you know, in that last fight, the final act with Tommy and, and, um, uh, Dehan, they're just like, yeah, do it. Why didn't he do it? Why isn't he doing it? It's set up just like Mortal Kombat. The lights go dark, <laughs> and there's fucking Dehan, you know, swerving about. It's like fatality. You've got, you've got moments. Do they even say why doesn't he finish him? Yep, Ahmad you know? Rashad says that. Right. What a dumbass. <laughs> So, I, I'm just, so surprised at the hate at Ahmad Rashad. I love it. Yeah, but, but like, just like, you know, it's like, dude, this this is a sports commentator. The guy is about to to, to get knocked into hell. Why doesn't he finish him? Why doesn't he finish it? It's like, dude, shut up. Yeah. So let the guy spare his, let the guy, oh my God. Right. Because, because they have the formality that they do. I think that pulls the lethality out of everything. You know, it's not blood sport. We're not in a third world country where this shit's happening in, in, in some, you know, warehouse or something. (laughs) Yeah. So to, to add the like brutal element just doesn't work for me either. Totally bad for sure. Yeah, so I'm glad we can agree on that. Um, also, random bad editing in this movie. Yeah. Just I, just very random. It's not like the movie's chock full of it, but there's certain scenes where it's just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, just let's take an extra three minutes. Right, let's let's kind of hit this in one fell swoop. That I'm going to give you a specific um, um, example of that. The scene where Alex is welcome back. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Kuzo... When he's he's shaving, Alex is shaving, and Kuzo comes in. Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Then the next scene, he's yelling at the sports like Booker guy, "Fire me if you want to fire me." Then immediately, Alex comes walking through the door, and everything's cool. That was confusing enough to me. I had to rewind it twice to just like understand what just happened in the the course of about fifteen seconds of film. Three things yeah. happened. It was just real weird. It could have been really easily sorted out you know there's yeah. also a part where like really early in the movie like what you you they establish that tommy is like a, a teacher you know at, of kids you know yeah. and like the kids start fighting there's yeah. like a, a, a like they cut to the kid like one of the kids smiling at the other kids after they make up yeah and it's just like it's just like a pathetic editing glitch like it's yeah it's i mean this is like a very very common thing in these movies that we're talking about so it's not like surprising right. but it's definitely it's definitely worth mentioning um i sp- i said Ahmad Rashad already um last thing here which is as funny as it as we could all agree i'm sure but just very lazy ass title placement um, <laughs> I was saying you can be the best of the best. Yeah. Now, the thing that I have a problem with, like a lot of these types of movies, is it's like it's one of those movies with a generic title that truly doesn't mean shit to the movie. Like, they're not the best of the best. Like, yeah. this is this is one tournament against one country, right? And it's right. you're right. It's Taekwondo against karate. Like go up against other MMA and see that you are right. not very good. This, this like the best of the best. It's like, it's like, I mean, over the top. Same thing. Like, this is like a generic 
thing that other people have said for a hundred years that they needed to make as a tag. It's it's more of a tagline. If this movie was called, you know, USA versus Korea, yeah, like that, that would be a better. That would be a better title and you can be the best of the best would be better as the tagline on the box. I, I guarantee you <laughs> I would watch this movie. I would have watched this movie 10 times faster than I did if it was called pretty good of the best. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the middling of the best, the okay spare, of the best. Spare the best. Yeah. Spare the best at the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my... Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I always just get confused with like this as being best in show. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah. I, that is a that would be a great like mom, can I rent this? <laughs> and she thinks yeah. you're 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 yeah, can I rent best of the best? She thinks you're renting like a movie about about dogs right. or whatever. Yeah. And then she comes in and she sees you watching like people f- fighting. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, that that was that ties up your bad there. That wraps up my bads. Yeah, I just I just want to jump in next because some of what you said I can sort of echo that um, a lot. Like just the the bad editing choices and just you know, okay, yeah, the kids are done fighting in the dojo and then they smile. We don't need to know that they made up with that dumb <laughs> smile. It's yes. like. It's like the scene where Tommy's on his motorbike after he quits, essentially quits, and then he goes out on a cruise and he sees some family when he stops for gas and they're eating ice cream. For anybody who's never seen this movie, his flashback scene when he's looking back at when Dehan kills his brother, he is the, the child and he's eating an ice cream cone watching karate. That's kind of a weird combo. And then when his brother gets fucking smashed in the face and it's, it's, it's lights out, he drops his cone. So, so a little, that's a little foreshadowing or whatever. Later on in the movie, when he's taking a little cruise around and he stops for gas, there's some kids eating ice cream and mom is like, get in the car. And the little boy drops his ice cream cone. He's bummed. And his slightly older than him brother gives him his cone. And he looks at, I mean, do we really need that to know that he's. I'm sorry. Did you, did you say curse, curse mashed? I don't know. I probably. That was pretty, I'm sorry. I'm like still cracking up at that. (laughs) So, but anyway, yeah, I mean. You know, I don't know if that's. I don't know if that necessarily falls into the bad editing as much oh, as just no. like unnecessary bullshit. It it falls into some absolute needs to be on the 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 cutting room floor for me. Yeah. I did not need that shit at all. I like that scene, honestly. Yeah, I know you did. Really? Because you love this movie. Um, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I'm just saying I like that. I like the, the I like his little I, I like Tommy's little smile when he sees like cuz he he gives his ice cream cone to the kid and then he pats his pats him on the head as they get back in the car. I think as you, you know Tommy's just having a moment where he's just like, yeah, "Hey man, know, it's I all fucking that. It's all fucking that. good." But the thing is, is he, appreciate it, man. The entire <laughs> movie, we know he's he's haunted by this. <laughs> you need this scene of of camaraderie amongst ch- child brothers to okay. Dude, I think you just I think you just proved it that that we need it. 
No, we don't. You need it because you're a fucking psychotic <laughs> deviant. Dude, I'm telling you, you literally just just said it right there. He's haunted by this all the movie. And then he sees something like this and he's like, shit, I'm going back. Like, it's perfect. It's not perfect. Dude, let's fucking fight. It's fucking horrifying. Um, Okay. And then we already touched on Travis and his like racist shit or whatever. But, and that's fine. I mean, obviously they're portraying a character. By showing say, that's like, excellent okay. character development, my friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's just—I mean, the—it's the weirdness of all of them just kind of shrugging it off. Like when he's clowning Tommy, and then you know, if you eat that shit, your dick will get small, your eyes will slant, then you'll open a laundry. And Eric Roberts, like, oh yeah, that—that that was a zinger. And then throughout the movie, he says just ignorant shit. And they, well, that's just Tommy kind of thing. Like the fact that they put that in there, like this is an endearing quality of this character. It kind of rubs me wrong way. Um, I think, I think that they're all laughing at that specific, in that specific scene where they're eating the spare ribs, you know, I think that they're all laughing at him. I don't think they're laughing with him. I mean, it's 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 like it's like uh, Adam said. They're all razzing each other to some degree, but this one dude, uh, what tears it for me the most is that final scene at the at the match. We already talked about it. Where he's like, "Come on, Kimchi," and then, "Ooh, maybe that he maybe he got what he needed to get through the match." It's like, Agreed there. I uh, agree I, just, there. I gotta put down some racial epithets real quick, and that gives me the juice I the second wind I needed. I don't know. Yeah, Could've do you think uh Ahmad Rashad would have responded the same if he would have like dropped the end bomb right then? He drops an end bomb. He drops an end bomb and Ahmad Rashad is like, you know, this might have been what he needed to fire himself up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fucking right. Uh, uh, then the, the last bad I have isn't. It's kind of it kind of falls in between because I agreed with you about the pacing. The pacing is good, but it sort of it sort of falls in this middle zone of a lot of things we've talked about. Editing is one of them. It's just like doesn't really have a stride that it's so predictable because of a stride. It's like, oh yeah, I can't go out for drinks. I gotta go see my son. Okay, son is super important. Here he is bike riding. You know something's going to happen to the kid. You fucking know it. They set it all up. I mean, there's there's absolutely no surprise when kid gets in a fucking bike wreck um, later in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's as it's, it's as it's, uh, it's it's as endearing as it is a pitfall because it's like it's easy. Like I called it easy. Like it's, it's an right. easy watch. It's low. You know? yeah, it's yeah. low hanging fruit. It's the. Totally. I think it was the quickest way to get what what they wanted in the movie without there being glaring plot holes. Like, okay, which, this- which is, in my opinion, what makes it an endearingly bad movie. Okay. You know well, what I mean? Like- that, 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 was, that was all I really had for the bad, so I'm, I'm out. You know, I honestly didn't have anything written down because I guess I was kind of checked out a little bit when I was – it wasn't that I was checked out. It was like this is the first time I watched it. And it was because it was such an easy, fun movie, I guess, in certain ways that 
the obvious bads, I just wasn't, I wasn't tracking as much, you know, because I'm like, yeah, I mean, clearly this is a very formulaic, cliched movie. You but, accepted it early on, it sounds like. You ex- yeah, that's exactly it. I just accepted going into it that it was going to be like that. And the things that you would think I would be irritated by, they didn't bother me. It was really weird because, you know, I thought when I would read like critical assessments of this that it wouldn't have been so just hard on this movie because to me – this movie's not that bad, <laughs> you know? So, and it kind of almost made me second guess myself where I'm like, am I that big of an idiot that I'm enjoying this movie this much? Well, that's, that's kind of how I felt watching it with the, with the critical mindset. Like I said earlier, yeah. like I've accepted and loved this movie all my life. And right. now here I am, like, I'm, I'm kind of in a way like studying it for a podcast. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm picking up on things that are like irking me that never even got through before, um, which yeah. kind of would would be a good way for me to bring in some of my questionables because I've got a laundry list. Yeah, well, so that's the thing. I think this was one of those where I definitely leaned more into the questionable as well as opposed to the bad. Um, so I guess that being said, let's just move into that part. Um since I didn't talk a lot in the bad, I'll, I'll open up the questionable. Um, this is the thing that happens in a lot of movies, clearly. And I understand why it's done to move the, to move the plot along. But it's funny to me when there's these crazy bar fights in movies and there's neither, uh, there's no indication of any sort of security or bouncers anywhere. Now I, I know that there are movies that have those where it's like, then all the guys get in the fight with the bouncers. But it's funny, like in this, there's there's this extended bar fight happening and there is no security to intervene whatsoever. The cops aren't called. It's just like the bartenders are just back there like, well, I guess this is just another Friday night at fucking Pickle Pete's, you know, or whatever. <laughs> They're just like trashing the shit out of this bar and no one is intervening from the staff at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. and you, and look at the clientele there. I mean, you have Kane Hodder there. That's that's number one, your first mistake. But all cowboy <laughs> hats and rhinestone butt people, you know there's going to be drunken bar fights at a place like this. You know? Right. So maybe that's the whole point. Right. Is this, you, come, you come to this water and hole for the bar fights, and they just have really good insurance. They have a really good insurance policy. Yeah, and they, they just keep re- broken windows. They, they just keep replacing the glass every week. Dude, <laughs> right? they, they keep replacing the little wooden poles that somebody's able to just drag somebody's face right through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That part so. is hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was my that was my first question. Um, I'll do another one and. I've got I've got uh, four five of them basically. Okay. Um, my my other question was, of course, and this is it's funny that we were having this discussion about this being a movie that somewhat is okay about giving representation, despite the fact that it's like an eighties movie, especially with <laughs> Wade. But also, my question was, okay, if she's so adept at the Eastern arts, why don't you just hire a 
Korean American or an Asian American <laughs> female trainer. <laughs> you know, it's very clear. They're like, oh, well, we're going to have the blonde babe here, the white lady trainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, you got to appeal to the uh, appeal to the the guys in the audience, I guess. Uh, yeah, you know the guys on the team, especially that Travis right. boy. Yeah, because you clearly he wasn't going to go for no Asian lady here, no, no kimchi oh, no. on no his kim- plate. No, no thank kim- you. No kimchi trim, no sir. Yeah, no thank you. Uh, so that's a couple if, of mine. If there's not a power violence band called Kim Tree Kimchi Trim, there there needs to be. <laughs> well, good. let's make it happen. Starring uh, go Chris, ahead. Starring Chris Dodge. Yeah. Starring Chris uh, hey, Dodge. Thank you. Okay, let me I just want to say this one thing and then I'll hand it off to you. I have other questions too. I know you got a laundry list of them. But I just want to say this one thing because it's bothered me since I was a kid. I noticed this. Uh, Alex Grady is a terrible father. Terrible. <laughs> first of all, first of all, he's kids riding around with no fucking helmet or any kind of anything on, just riding down the street. He has no kind of like, you know, backup plan. There's not mom on the other end of the street to stop the kid. And it clearly looks like he's about to wipe the fuck out at the, before the scene cuts. Okay, so you got that. <laughs> then... You know, he gets hurt severely bad, probably because of father's teachings. Just, yeah, just drive around on the road by yourself. No helmet, whatever. Gets his leg broken and he's in a coma. And then he shows up. He flies from wherever they're training to see him. And he goes, I'm right here. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Next thing, he's on his first flight back to the fucking... (laughs) The, the gang, because he says it earlier in the movie to his mom, he goes, training is the only thing that I have. It's the only thing I'm good at. Well, he's admitting right there that he's a terrible father. You know? <laughs> he's, he's yeah. not, he never once mentions that Walter is in his life. It's training and that he needs this. Yeah. Then he allows some fun, his coach to surprise fly his kid to Korea. You know? I mean, what the fuck? Talk about, talk about, okay, you're 100% focused. Well, now my kid's here in Korea. That's got to be a distraction. That's a little weird. You know, (laughs) what was coach thinking there? But I just wanted to point out how bad of a father Alex is and probably how bad of a father Eric Roberts is in in (laughs) life. The, the the first plane back thing, the first plane back thing is the best example because, dude, your kid is in a fucking coma. Yeah, you don't you don't stick around for more than ten minutes after he wakes up to make sure things are all right. Nope. Are you out of your fucking mind? I just gotta go, man. I just gotta I gotta be the best oh, of the good. best. Oh, good. He's fine. Okay, I can go now. <laughs> no, no follow up. No worry about supervision or anything. Just, yeah, cool. He was in a coma for one day. I'm out of here. See Dude, ya. Your kid, your kid wakes up from a coma. I mean, I, I would quit my fucking job. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Like, right. Uh, anyway, anyway, I'm with yeah. you there. Okay. So, so we could have put that in. Yeah. So say we could put that in the bad category. He's a bad father. It's a bad father. 
Right. <laughs> he, is the, he is the worst of the worst, in my opinion. Neglect is almost worse than getting fucking smacked around a lot of times. So <laughs> I had this question, and this is like regarding other movies and things of this nature. What exactly are the statutes regarding athletes committing manslaughter? Hey, that's during in matches? there too. You know, getting kicked in the nuts, that's a foul. But getting fucking j- jump kicked in the face, no problem. Hey. That's how that's how Alex wins. He drop kicks dude in the, right in the fucking mouth. Well, I think you're referring to you're referring to to Tommy's older brother's death. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. How does he get away so, with that? But I mean, yes. With, go ahead. Finish your point. Well, I was gonna say, are there, there's, are, is there like <laughs> combat? What, what's the combat law here? What's what's the what is the statute that protects an athlete? When they commit manslaughter during a match. Right. Okay. I, I well, have this Han, in my question. Yeah. I have yeah, this in Dehan my question. Obviously, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Well, no, 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 no. I, I was going to say I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it because I have a different like approach to it. So I'm, I'm interrupting you for no reason, basically. I, I would rather have you finish that, but I don't know why I needed to say it just now. So go no, for no, it. No, no, that's, that's fine. I, I want you. To, I want you to maybe because I'm. I, I know there's real world examples of this. I didn't look it up. Like what's happened when some, like a pro boxer or you know an MMA fighter has went all the way and just wasted a motherfucker <laughs> in the fight. You know, did they go scot free? Like what's the penalty? <laughs> he, went, he went all the way. He gave him. He, the, he gave him the real grand slam. <laughs> I mean, my, my my take on this is not so not necessarily like the logic behind like whether he would be in prison or not because I agree with you 100% that is like a major hole here yeah. but my thing is like are we really supposed to fucking believe that this wholesome ass kickboxing tournament that is held in what appears to be a high school gym is going to result in a fighter being essentially beaten to death in front of his family. (laughs) Are you kidding me with this? Like, dude, it was more believable when they fucking put glass on their gloves in Kickboxer 2. Yeah, okay. And this is what I was getting at with my part of my adage to that. You know, at some point you would imagine in that Dehan fight when Tommy's a kid, a ref would have stopped it just at you got the point. You, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Quit kicking right. this kid in the face. It goes back to what I was saying about just the point system in general in this mixed martial arts tournament. A kick to the nuts is a foul. Okay. That's not going to kill you, probably, but it's nope, no point. That's a low brow fucking below the belt kick some kick of some like illegal hits that happen in the tournament to the face but eric roberts pulling a completely very high probability of lethality kick to the nose totally fine <laughs> gets a point everybody loves it you know knocks him out of the ring yeah knocks his fucking ass right out of there totally fine don't don't worry if the dude's dead I mean, right at the end, Dehan, hey, he's he's clearly out of sorts. Finish him. Why not? It might kill him, but hey, this is martial arts. 
you know? Right? Like, dude, the guy is literally hanging on to the last inch of his life and the ref is like, what, 10, 15 feet away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the, the ref's probably over there too. Aren't you going to finish him? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, we, 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 heard about, we heard about that incident where uh, this dude's brother had the same thing happen to him at that gymnasium in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, like... <laughs> so, okay, I had just one last question. Well, I had two. I don't know if I should do the other one, but one in particular. You said it up top, but I don't ever know if this is clarified. They don't say which Korea this is from. They just say Korea. Yeah. They don't say north uh, or south. Right. Well, they do. They do mention that they're from Seoul. Seoul, and that um, did, did Sun you know, Moon is from Seoul. I I fucked up when I said North Korea. I meant okay. to say South Korea. So my bad. Well, well I was going to say I I I would find it highly disbelievable that they would be competing with North Korea. Oh my god! They never yeah, specify. <laughs> Dude, when I said when I said North Korea, I don't know what I was thinking because everyone knows that this wouldn't happen in North Korea. Like that's North Korea is like the off limits part of Korea. Anything that we know about Korea that we like enjoy is South Korea. So it's right. like it's like yeah, I I just straight up fucked up when I said North Korea. So I well, apologize I wasn't for sure because I was like thinking like yeah. well they would maybe have this kind of like discipline killing unit of athletes yeah. coming out of North Korea but uh, they don't specify they just like and I think that's weird that they don't specify in the movie that it's South Korea because it's obviously not a monolith there's two distinct countries there so it, you know that's just was one of those little details <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I, I straight up should have said South Korea I don't even know why I didn't uh, it was just like yeah. a, a I think slip. it's just assumed that it's South Korea because South Korea is the the free one, you know. So they're right. the I ones mean, that if can you go to vacation in Korea. You can do that. You can visit Korea, and it's South Korea. It's like it's like there's one part of it that's like a, a regular touristy country, and yeah. then there's another part that's like you know fucking Russia or something. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's like yeah, it's yeah. But anyway, I agree. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's all I have for questions, so okay. take it away. Yeah. Uh, John, should I finish mine and then you you uh, bring us home on this? I can do that. Okay. Um, so maybe, you, maybe there's something here that I just missed, but it didn't make any sense to me. When Alex hears about Walter's condition and he's like, fuck it, I quit, and he's packing his bag, he packs a bag that he doesn't take. Did you notice that? He packs his shit into a bag, and, and then Tommy comes in. And he's like, "Just go, whatever." And he oh yeah, he gives him his coat. Yeah, but his bag is still on the bed. He just packs it up, and then he just leaves without it. It's kind of weird. That's that's a very good eye you have there, because I never noticed that. But that's obviously just like, just like production dumbassery, <laughs> yeah. you know? Okay. So and then how about this? This might this might very well be explained too. Um, so Alex is off the team. And because um, Kuzo's so hard lying about it, well, don't they need five fighters? Because it's five on five, right? So, so because he go, he yeah. says, Don, line up the alternate or something like that. I don't know if he's talking about an alternate, like in instead of placement fighter or what, but 
it seems like Kuzo's shooting himself in the foot, even if they have an alternate, because at no point in the movie do we see them training other people to be bench warmers. They're, yeah, they're yeah. totally counting on these guys, which is also funny because Virgil, they're using him as the fucking kick bag. And he gets, this, he gets he gets knocked out at one point. It's like, man, you are really um, testing the limits of your guys here, you know, yeah. unnecessarily so. Um, yeah. So I thought that was kind of weird. Um, I've got something similar in mind, but it's a different a yeah. different take on it. Okay. So go ahead. So how does Tommy? Again, this could be just something that I don't know because I I wasn't. I never had a reason to fly on an, in an air airport pre nine 11 when TSA got fucking crazy. But how does Tommy clear security and everything with no ticket? You know, when Tommy quits, he sees the ice cream cone scene that I hate so much. And then he recons, <clears throat> he reconsiders. And then all of a sudden he's just at the, he's at the gate. And then Kuzo just hands him a ticket that he just bought. You know, I think, okay, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's a, it's a very legitimate question, but I think I remember a time like, I mean, as a kid, which would have been around this time, I think I remember being, you, you were able to just go to a gate and see people off. Like it was like, I, I, and I could be wrong about this, but I, I sincerely remember like flying as a kid or maybe picking people up at airports and stuff. I mean, there's like. There's an episode of Seinfeld where they're just at a gate waiting for somebody. Like, I think you can just, like, I think you used to be able to just see people right out of the gate. Right. Okay. That's, I figured that was the case. But that aside, let's just assume that Tommy doesn't know that he's going to be considered back to the team when he just shows up. He just shows up and he's like, sorry, coach. I mean, Coach just bought him a ticket, I guess, but he doesn't necessarily know that unless maybe they had some kind of phone conversation that we don't see off screen or something. So what does he tell TSA? I may be flying. Maybe I'm not. I need to go through here. I mean, what about all this luggage? Like, Well, maybe he's flying. Maybe he's a liability. Maybe he isn't because he might not even be going anywhere. I don't know, it's just weird. It's all unclear. I, I can't have any commentary on that because I grew up with a mother that has a like morbidly unnecessary fear of flying, mm-hmm. and we were also poor, so I never flew before nine eleven either. Believe it or not, um, I, I, I think my my first flight was like in my early twenties. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I can't answer that question, but I see so, it. You know, I hear from other people. That, you know that it was this utopian era where you know you could just do things like this <laughs> right, right yeah we didn't we didn't fly a ton uh, when i was a kid but you know i i remember we went on like maybe i would say maybe three or four like flights as as as, as i was a kid and i i distinctly remember like maybe somebody picking us up or like somebody coming with us to see us off or like something like that i just remember you were able to just go to the gate at one point like yeah i mean i know that to some could um extent you can still do that you just have to go through security and all of that you like you would be flying but um whatever no i don't i don't think you can go through at all unless you have like a ticket oh 
Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure you need to like have your ticket. They need to scan your ticket for you to get through. I think you have to be flying. So because then, then it's almost like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, that's it's an interesting thing to look into. So my last legitimate question is, um, in the montage where you see the Americans training, and then you see the Koreans, it goes back and forth. These guys are karate champs, right? I mean, Eric Roberts, Alex Grady is coming back to this from taking three years off because of a shoulder injury, right? They don't know how to fucking jump rope. You see them like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're, I was wondering about that rope. Too. they're doing these like completely vanilla milk toast exercises. They can't do push-ups well. You know, the one dude's got his ass all up in the air, just terrible form. <laughs> these dudes are karate <laughs> champs, the best quite possibly of the best and they can't do simple <laughs> calisthenic exercises. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a very, very, a very lazy attempt to like show the dichotomy of how shitty these athletes are compared to their Korean counterparts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, they lost, but you know what? They didn't lose in spirit. <laughs> no, they did not. So that's all I got. What do you got, John? Let's have it. All right, first one. Why select Alex Grady in the first place? Why even send him the letter if his shoulder is so fucked up that they would be apprehensive about him being chosen even after they decided that he did well enough? Yeah, that's a, that's a great they're, question. They're like this, – this director guy is like – concerned that they chose Alex Grady. Why did you send him the letter to go try out? Yeah, it's a great question. He's He's got right. every demerit on his side to not even go. He's a shitty father. He needs to work on that first. You know, so that's enough of a distraction. He's got a fucking total robo arm. That isn't going to help anything. Like, what are these guys, what are these guys doing? Like, they're, they're, he selects the. I mean, Kuzo's obviously got the right idea. He's like, okay, this guy's fucking good. He's going right. But this like jackass that appears twice in the movie, who like is in charge of the whole thing apparently, is like, are you sure we should send this guy with the bad shoulder? Why the fuck is he out there? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you want him to try out. Anyway, that's one of them. Um. Jackasses for sure. Yeah, uh, indeed. So, okay, next one. Right, pretty much right around the same point in the movie. This this last minute decision to hire a trainer. The day that training begins, immediately after selecting the team. Are we really supposed to believe that this thing that they're like selecting people for, they're planning to fly to Korea, mm -hmm. and the day that they select the team. Oh, you know what? By the way, we're bringing in a, a, a third person that that neither of you know about that that uh, that you're you're not happy about being here. By the way, like this person's going to join you and, and do this with you. Like, I don't buy that. <laughs> it's very very stupid and lazy. Um, next one. Uh, if it is so impossible and unheard of to defeat Korea which is mentioned multiple times in this movie. 
why is this even happening? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and not only that, but why are there only two countries involved in this annual tournament? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought that same thing. Dude, did somehow the United States and Korea just get decided to be the only two last remaining competitors in kickboxing? Like, Yeah, that's weird. This is when I said earlier, Adam, like, uh, like, yeah, I was going to bring up the underdog thing at one point. Yeah. Because you mentioned it. It's like they 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 make it sound like there is like absolutely no chance of this even happen, like even being possible. That's what the trainer says. You guys are fucked. I mean, all of the data and research is not going to save you from this. It's like fucking go somewhere where you have a, a chance of competing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're buttering these people. Yeah, many, many people have died in the ring. Oh, this person you're fighting has crippled multiple people. Like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't do this, guys. <laughs> yeah. They're setting themselves up for a very expensive disappointment. It shouldn't, be, it, shouldn't be really, it shouldn't really be a disappointment. It's just matter of course because they're impossible to beat. They yeah. know that I mean, already. Totally. It's like it's like so much time in this script has gone into like painting this as an impossible team to beat that it defies the logic that it it's similar to Rocky going to to fight Ivan Drago in a way. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. it's like it's like we know this is probably going to end well, but how can we possibly accept that this is going to end well? Right. You know, yeah, anyway. right? Because because you set it up so you set the expectations so high, you set it up as right? such an this, impossibility. This dude yeah. killed Apollo Creed in one round, one and a half rounds. <laughs> he killed right. him. That's what I mean. Going back to what's the statutes behind this? Yeah. <laughs> well, that 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 actually took one of my questionables, which is like, dude. This this tournament looks like it's got a set of bleachers with families just sitting there. <laughs> and somehow somehow this dude was able to beat them on a high school mat. In front yeah. of his whole family. Like, uh, like if somebody's getting beaten to death in a gymnasium and a kid's gonna drop an ice cream cone because it's so terrifying, like Right. I mean, do we need do we need cops here? Okay, like- just 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 humor, just humor me. Just think about breakfast around the breakfast table that morning. You know, okay, son, excited for your match tonight. Go knock him dead. Ooh, don't say don't say that, Dad. I hope I don't get beat to death. Okay, bye. Right, uh, Dad. Dad, I just want you to know this is actually kind of a dangerous thing I'm doing. No, <laughs> yeah. he's literally waving to his family, and sh- and you hear the mom go, "Tommy, look, there's David." <laughs> Dude, minutes later, how long are these fucking matches? I uh, know. Two and a half minutes later, her son is dead on the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! And you, you. Oh my god! She's on the ground, like holding him. And the ref, I, I think you. At one point, I don't know. I'm surprised, Brandon. You didn't call attention because you always pick up these little things. At one point, you see the guy close his 
his medical bag and walk away like, <laughs> like no, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do with yeah. we can do. You're, you're going to pronounce this guy dead on the floor of a high school gymnasium instead of at least taking him out in a stretcher? Yeah. Well, there's clearly no medical staff available. They just, you know, this is just a kid's thing. No one's going to get hurt. We don't have an I ambulance you, I on the legitimately see. I think you legitimately see a guy with one of those old-fashioned like doctor bags, like Just shake his hand, and button it up. Yeah, like I'm telling you, like go back and rewatch it. I, I think that like in the slow motion scene, like that happens, and I'm just like. What are you guys thinking writing this? <laughs> like, this is something that I would picture like a third grader writing for for like a class. And like <laughs> nobody's going to question that obviously. They're actually going to be like, "Hey, is a pretty good job with this." Sure. You know. Um Yeah. All right. I'll 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 uh bust through these last ones, okay? Um <laughs> Kuzo acting surprised seeing the footage of Tommy's brother. And then admitting in two scenes later that he was the coach and knew all about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, watch the music. He's, Anybody else seen this? Let's keep it that way. Right. It's like, dude, you, you arguably orchestrated two siblings to lose their lives in this possible scenario. Mm-hmm. Like for your own – like – what you're gonna seriously have Miss Mrs. Lee lose two sons because you're a bad coach? Like yeah. crazy. I don't understand this guy. Um and then I, I mentioned this earlier, his lack of empathy and unrealistic response to the news of Grady's kid. Like, I get that they're trying to paint him as this focused coach that's like super hard, right? But yeah. like Dude, I don't I don't buy that anybody anybody is going to react to that situation that way. Like No, you're right. Yeah. No, um, no, they, completely but, implausible. Well, and I I just wanted to say this cuz I meant to say it earlier. His hardline approach about lack of empathy, but then his just, well, tonight's the last night that you get to do anything before we get into training. Maybe you'll even get laid. And he's sitting there drinking his drink and he lets the dudes just eat fucking spare ribs and a bunch of bullshit. What? <laughs> you you slack on the training protocol, but you're totally hard ass that they're there in uniform on time, even when their dumbass kid gets ran over by a car. You know? Right? Did he did he not think for one second that one of these dudes was gonna literally break his kneecap during this bar fight and be out for the whole season? <laughs> yeah. Right. So the way I took that though, it's almost like the same thing. It's like the concept of the Amish with Rum Spriga. It's like, okay, you get this one night to just be freewheeling and it's all shits and giggles, but then everything else is yeah. By the book. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. But spare ribs <laughs> comes in during training. That is like no no. Mm-mm. Hey, that's and a I, that's a high that's a high protein meal there, my friend. <laughs> I mean it almost I mean it really does kind of look like they're eating like shitty ass cafeteria food. It does. It does. Yeah. It's like some fucking Thanksgiving vittles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> okay, I've got I've got I've got just two more here, okay? And they both involve Kuzo again. Um 
and this Brandon, you said this earlier, so I, I I mirror this, but Kuzo allowing two fifths of the team, the best two fighters by far, to leave and and still make this trip to Korea, like whether they can compete or not. What yeah. the fuck is the point of even making this trip? I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and he waits till the last minute. We have two days till we go. It's like you don't have any backup plan at all. And and the three right. of them, the three like losers of the bunch go up and said, we need Alex and Tommy to win. Right. And it's like, well, that is the most obvious statement of the movie. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, dude, what the hell? Are, they're, they're. He's like it, – it's just more holes in the logic of this coach's mindset. Like, dude, you're not going on this trip anymore. Yeah. Just yeah, call, right. call Ahmad Rashad and forfeit like straight up. Like it's over. Like t- yeah. t- tell him you're not coming. And then finally, um, this is something that I, I kind of thought was questionable. Maybe I was just overthinking a little bit. Are we really supposed to believe that this this hard ass dude that wouldn't even excuse a coma is all of a sudden a fun loving non serious guy during the most critically serious point of the movie? Dude, I but, thought the same thing. Yeah, throughout the entire tournament, he's like, USA, Travis, behave yourself. Like right. he's like, this dude is all of a sudden this happy go lucky. Like I don't give a shit about anything, coach. <laughs> but did you see his maniacal smile when he's? Travis behave himself, and then he has this just really <laughs> fucked up, devious <laughs> smile after yep. everything that he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he totally flips. Ah, bring your kid. Total distraction, but bring him along to possibly watch you get murdered and repeat <laughs> history. You know. Um, yeah that that that's uh that was just like like a total like character flop like like all of a sudden this dude is just gonna lighten up right everything's cool now uh i'm gonna watch my team lose to the koreans and possibly have another sibling die in this family yeah like yeah well and you know i'm just gonna reiterate possibly have another child watch his father be murdered in front of him because he That's actively right. chose to buy him a ticket. Yeah. yeah where was, That's where right. was Walter's ice cream cone? That's another, like it goes back to like how intense they paint this picture out to be. And it's just like, it's a fucking kickboxing tournament. Like, like this isn't this isn't blood sport. Yeah, they're making it seem like this is blood sport. It's not blood sport. This is the Karate Kid. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I, I was gonna say I feel like in that sense this is parallels to the last movie you watched with Brain Scan, where it's like they didn't really know where to go with this. Is this a heinous, horrendous slasher movie or is it a kids movie? Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. Kind of mix it Which all. Which is in. it? Is it Nightmare on Elm Street or is it Little Monsters? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they may just threw a lot together to try and, you know, get that that three point three mil back. Get the kids in. It is the. I read in the trivia. It is the only PG thirteen entry in the best of the best franchise. That's one of the. That's one of the wormholes I got here. Right. Um, I am interested in seeing. 
I was going to say some of the sequels because I noticed that the cover art on one of them is it shows Lee with like a handgun. So it must get real serious. There's uh, I've, I've only I'm not proud of this, but I've only seen part two. Uh-huh. So, hopefully, in, hopefully if it gets more serious, more siblings are present during yeah. you know the real brutal combat scenes. There, there are yeah. four of these yeah. dudes. Yeah, there are four I of know. these. All the only constant is Philip Ree, mm. plays Tommy. Which is, in- um, which is interesting yeah. to me because typically, when a opening movie of a franchise is this big of a financial flop, they're not going to find anybody else to put money into another one. So I'm like curious as to what's the story behind that. You know, it's it's a critical and financial flop, but somebody else with deep pockets decided we got to make another one. Well, the sequel could have been a labor of love because um, it was done by the same director uh, upon well, the as, filmography. As as I think, I think I'm the only person that's seen Best of the Best too. Is that is that correct? Uh, no, I I've seen, it also has Eric Roberts in it. Right. Yep. And and Philip Ree and Chris Penn is in it too. So maybe they, they all return. Maybe it was a plan that they were going to recoup the money they lost on the entry, the pilot, if you will, with the sequel. Well, one thing I was going to say about the sequel is that when it comes to what we've said about how like it's like the stakes are not really as high as they're painting them out to be. They definitely correct that in the sequel oh, because the yeah. sequel is way more of like an a straight up like brutal like fucked up kicks kickboxer two type of movie where it's like it's like you're not like they they definitely up the stakes. Wow. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to spoil. Yeah, you've convinced this, me. This, now I have to watch Oscar it. Winner, but you know, I'm gonna kick your ass. Alex yeah. Grady measuring. Sajin Kwan attacks. Grady counters with a takedown and scores. Down, 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 down. For you, Travis. Take that. <laughs> the Korean bounces right back with a powerful oh, instep to Grady's face. A point for the Korean team. But it is way too early to write off Seijin Kwan. So, yeah. So, let's move on to the awards and the categories, starting with the quotes at the top. What are some of your quotes, my guys? Uh, I've, got, I've got just a few. I've got – I've just got a few, not many. Okay. Yeah, I have one. And it's not really – I have one really as well. It's not really what he says. It's just the absurdity of that he even says it at all. It's a uh, Travis uh, quote when they're at the bar and the girl's walking into the restroom and he goes, you go in number one or number two. I missed that. <laughs> what, what? And she goes, drop dead. And he kind of has a snarky <laughs> smile. 
Why, why would you ask that? <laughs> why would you hang out near the bathrooms and ask that? <laughs> yeah. Is that, his, is that his pickup line? So are you pissing or are you shit? I mean, come on. What the fuck? It's but, pretty uh, awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, laughed, I laughed so much I had to rewind it and listen to it again. Uh, <laughs> I had one quote, and this is also another Travis-related one. Actually, Virgil says it. I don't know the exact context, like or the the what leads up to Virgil replying this way, but basically, you know, Travis is trying to get him worked up to go out on the town to get some fucking ass, mm-hmm. and he's describing eating pussy, and he says something about licking the inner, inner and outer labia. Yeah, and Virgil replies, <laughs> "Inner and outer labia." <laughs> right. What? And yeah, the one word. Dude, this is like what really makes it almost seem like a kids movie because that's something right. that like that's an exchange that would happen between two teenagers. That's yes. it. Like that's not when like yeah, you're a teenager and you're like, I'm gonna go get coochie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Wait, you mean all parts of the vagina are gonna be there? <laughs> and it's like exactly. Are you, are you, what what adult even possibly thinks this way i don't know and why would you verbalize it to another human being that's weird like it almost makes sense like the way travis is saying it because he's obviously just like a scumbag that like speaks about female parts this way you know yeah but like his like genuine like question like inner and outer labia like dude what the hell are you talking about what are you talking about (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was my only one I've got a few. Um, they're not all funny, but I just like some of them. Um, but I, I like when Sonny – because, you know, he's talking about how he's from Detroit and it's rough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in the middle of the bar fight and he like wrecks some dude. And he's like, this is just like Detroit. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that line. It's just like a cool line, you know. Um, no. I like – dude, I love when – when Travis is trying to like be racist towards Tommy and he's like, he's like, what about you? You yellow. Yeah. And Tommy just looks at him. He's like, obviously yeah. <laughs> and everyone, everyone cracks up. Cause it's like, at that point, it's like, you know, they're all laughing at Travis, not with him, you know? Sure. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, a funny, well, it's like, it's just stupid, but like at one point when, when Grady is like trying to, convince Tommy not to leave, not to quit. You know, basically don't be a pussy and fight Dehan, you know? That's great. Um, he says, he says, like the way he leaves, he's like, that's all I've got to say. Except you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, like, dude, okay, number one, who wrote that? Right. Because they're either <laughs> a genius or the biggest dumbass on the planet. Um, <laughs> But like that's just like a, a very petty, bitchy thing to say to one of your friends. That's all I've got to say. Except yeah. you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Walk away. Uh, it sounds like something that like Kelly would say to Jesse on Saved by the Bell or something. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the last one is I just – I love when – I mentioned this earlier. I love when uh, Kuzo says to Tommy like you won that match. Don't ever forget that. Mm-hmm. I just think it's like a powerful quote. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. So, with the awards, we've got the Derek Zoolander Award for the biggest idiot in the movie. Who's your pick, John? Travis. 
Travis. What about you, Brandon? Yeah. Or Ahmad Rashid. <laughs> no, I, I picked Travis for sure. He seems like uh, very, very easy to convince to walk into a trap. And he says the dumbest shit. So, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, he's a dope. Pretty, pretty slam dunk on that one. Okay. The Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Code Award for the best wardrobe and makeup. Uh, I don't know. I put Miss Wade. I've got to go with Bert on this one. King, King Hotter. There you go. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I went with Alex because he's got some, you know, when you see him walking out of the plant, he's got some slick cowboy boots. He's got the Springsteen working man thing going, but he's got that cool hair, you know. He's just looking. <laughs> yeah, Alex was my alternate. Yeah. I, he was my alternate too. I almost chose Alex for as, that one. As uh, Billy Gibbons might say, he ain't missing not a single thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, he's I think he looks good in this. He's a handsome dude in this. Um I was stumped on this one. I'll be honest with you guys. Uh I kind of had some vague ideas, but uh the Cosmo Kramer award for the most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. I think I'm going to I think what I thought was uh an, an inductee one of you are going to actually verbalize. But go ahead, uh John, who do you say? This was a tough one for me too, but I went with Virgil. Um, because I, I could picture Virgil being just like a holistic, like friend of Kramer's. Yeah. So there's, it's funny. Okay. Yes. I kind of had that thought. There is a one Seinfeld episode. In fact, where remember where Kramer takes George to his holistic, weird naturopath friend. And he puts like the triangle, the pyramid on his head. And he's like got calipers and he's measuring him and he makes him basically turn purple or whatever. Yep. 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 Totally. I kind of had that thought too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you think, Brandon? Uh, I said Travis for a couple reasons. I I'm, whenever this award comes up, I'm always thinking of like, um, just the swing and swing and a miss boyfriends that um, Elaine might have. So, <laughs> you know, maybe he comes off as kind of like cool, tough talking big guy, but then it turns out he's a racist somehow. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't know that from the beginning, but I could also see him as being a real um, eccentric weirdo character of Kramer and Newman's like friends or something. Yeah, like maybe the dude that like films the films the 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 movies in the theater, like the the bootleg the bootlegger guy, something yeah. like that. Yeah, something like that, or maybe some a scalper, a fence outside of a uh, you know concert they want to see or a, a show, and they get roped in with him somehow. So I'm digging I'm digging the the swing and a miss boyfriend of Elaine. So I think that that pretty much hit it. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. See, I had a similar thought too, but I had that with actually with Alex as being the handsome guy, but he doesn't really, but he doesn't have any outward weird characteristics. Right. To qualify for Seinfeld, you have to have some quirks. Well, right. But I do see with Travis, he does kiss his son right on the fucking mouth. Yeah, that's weird. That's kind of weird. But I do see that with Travis because there's also. It, this isn't with Elaine, but there's an episode where uh, Seinfeld is dating the one woman, or he basically he dates a woman that splits up with her husband, 
And then like the whole thing at the end is it turns out she's an, she's racist. Mm. She's anti Semite. <laughs> They're at the wedding with it's like Mickey, oh, the yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Not little to guys. Mention, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, anyways, there's that. It's, uh, Will and Grace, Debbie, uh, Deborah yes. Mooney. Yep. Yes, exactly. So, there is that one. Well, okay. So, I was kind of in that ballpark as well, but I was having trouble kind of visualizing it. So, thank you. Uh, the Danny Trejo Award for the character most likely to have a spinoff. What, what did you have, John? I went with Kuzo on this one. I think there's always a good opportunity for there to be a TV show about a coach. Any yeah. any any sports movie, the coach is a is a go to on this one. Yeah, I okay. agree. I just for the sake of having some diversity, I did say Kuzo for that same exact reason, a daytime drama, something like that. But just to bring something else in, um, Maybe Travis. It'd be like a new Starsky and Hutch Dukes of Hazard type of movie where you've got this top, yeah. you know, fast talking cowboy. Um, yeah. I could see that. Who knows martial yeah. arts? So it's yeah. like yeah. extra. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could see that for sure. Your type of show starring Christopher yeah. Penn. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. Or, yeah, I could see that as well. Um, okay. So. Body count. Well, we one. We had the one. That's one. it, right? Tommy's yep. brother. Tommy's brother. Okay. That's it. Well, I would, some, uh, I would. I would say that probably more than likely, Walter goes home and gets ran the fuck over. <laughs> so we have a speculative two. <laughs> yeah, from the poor parenting, and it just ends up being a murder suicide. You know, because- unfortunately, I can confirm that doesn't happen because he's in the sequel. Oh my god! Yeah. You're, you're ruining it for our sequels month. Come on, guy. Hey, I yeah. apologize. You can That's edit that right. part you'll, out. You'll forget all of this soon enough. So, um, what do you got for a little tidbits? What's some trivia about this, John? I've got a, I've got just four. Um, some of which we've already discussed. Um, <laughs> one of them is that there are three sequels, all rated R, to this movie that was rated PG thirteen. Um, next one we came up with already. I knew it was going to come up. Kane Hodder, yeah. who plays Bert, also plays Jason Voorhees in four films, uh, yeah. four Friday the Thirteenth films. Um, this is a favorite martial arts movie of Chuck Liddell, the yeah. MMA guy that was, who I only know who that clown is from watching Entourage. So, um, yeah. But yeah, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> and then. Uh, the last one is that Eddie Bunker, who plays Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs, is in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed um, that right off the bat. I, I found that to be a cool little thing just because he doesn't have a big part. He, I think he like has some lines but like nothing that you would recognize. You know, It's just like an – he's almost an extra in a way. Um, but yeah, I honestly can't remember who he is in this movie. Well, he's the guy. He's the guy that that initially meets up with Grady right after he gets off of work in the beginning. Like, like, uh, and then, yes. and then you, yeah, and then you see him again in the bar when they're watching yes. the, the, the tournament on TV. Thank um, you. Like, I I was like trying to think because I did know who that guy was and I wasn't placing it. So thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No problem. But that that's all I got. Uh I I have one. You, well, I had others, but some of which you've already uh, 
you already said. But this other this other little tidbit about Kane Hodder, he's in three of the movies, and he plays yep. different characters in each one. Kane Hodder had yep. different roles uh, in the first three movies of the series. The first one, he plays Bert, the bar patron. Um, in the second one, he's a security guard at a coliseum. I guess we'll find out when we watch it. And in the third one, he's a white supremacist at a showdown at the end of the movie. Yep. <laughs> nice. And then in the fourth one, he's Jason Voorhees in the in the. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. The gang fights oh. Jason. You know. I like that. Yeah, this, um, uh, little known fact: the fourth best of the best movie is also called Friday the Thirteenth Eight. Jason yeah. takes Manhattan. So, yeah, yeah. The gang, the there gang is, to Crystal Lake. Yeah. I mean, there is that famous scene, probably my favorite scene in Jason Takes Manhattan, where he just punches the guy's head clean off. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's probably a favorite of anyone's uh, who's ever watched that movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. We're here at the end of this movie. A fine discussion, as always. Uh, so we're going to rate this. we got to come up with our iconography. Uh, I had, for my iconography, I said, what is this out of five spin kicks to the eye patch? No. <laughs> Not bad. What, what, Not what, bad. What do you got, John? I've got... We rate this out of five kickboxing-related deaths in a high school gymnasium. <laughs> gymnasium. Okay. And Brandon? Uh, well, I was going to rate it out of five irresponsible fucking neglectful fathers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that all one the best. All fine choices. Uh, I feel like we should go with John's, though, with the... <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> the martial arts related deaths in a high school gymnasium. <laughs> Let's go for it. All right. Let's go out of five. I actually kind of downgraded my rating as we were talking about this movie because I felt like I was rating it way too favorably. I gave it three and a half, three out of five. So. All right. Brandon. Uh, yeah, it's a fine movie, I guess. Um, I have watched it, surprisingly, very many times in my life. But on this watch, I just I don't really know why I would watch it again. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hard-pressed for two and a half. I, you know what? I'm, feel, I'm feeling festive. I'm going to give it three. Three <laughs> gymnasium deaths. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, they're in a fucking high school gymnasium. I'm not, ar I'm not, I'm not arguing. That's that is on <laughs> that is on point for sure. There's like fucking three people in there. <laughs> like what they're fighting. You've only been brought here to watch your brother and child be brutally murdered in front of you. Oh my god. Might as well have been just a murder, yeah. not even sports related. Well, and ruin that kid's fucking love of ice cream for the rest of his life. Clearly, he's got he's got some hangouts. Yeah. The the, oh, the Pavlovian I, association is terrible now for yeah, ice cream. Before I, read, before I rate this movie, I have one more questionable: How the fuck is Tommy Lee even a fraction of a normal human being in this yeah, movie? Good question. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> 
I, and I want to preface this by saying that this doesn't mean that I don't like the movie, even though I'm just acknowledging <laughs> the same way that you felt, Brandon. I'm going to go ahead and give it the lowest rating. I'm going to give it two and a half kickboxing related deaths in a high school gymnasium. <laughs> Yeah. I, I I I love that you are going to again be the one that's going to wait wait things like you're gonna you're, you're grading at the opposite of a curve I guess <laughs> yeah I, I got I, I two and a half is what felt right to me I was considering two then I was considering three uh, you know logic says to go in the middle sure I would say upon subsequent watches I would probably rate this lower and lower as well. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention is that I had to rent this from Amazon for three three ninety nine, okay. and I will say, I will say, I was considering watching it again just to get my my worth out of this forty eight hours I have this fucking thing. Yeah, and I've seen it five hundred other times. I don't think I'm going to watch it again. Well, um, I might have to watch it again to catch that that scene about the the MD that. You know, miraculously, he was there. Uh, it's, it seems like yeah. I think, I think I'm going to watch it again just to just to see if that's either in my head. Just close or the bag, not. close up. The, <laughs> hey, close it up shop. His kid's fucked, dude. This 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 dead teenager is not even worth a stretcher to the ambulance. Like yeah. seriously, you're yeah. going to call it that quick? What, like what ambulance? They didn't even don't even bother bringing them. Bring a hearse. That's it. <laughs> Some, someone's walking out of here. Someone's not walking out of here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's uh, it's right. pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay, so what do you rate this on the midnight clock? I think we're pretty much all synonymous on this. Uh, for me, this is square in the 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 dinner time feature. This is like seven yeah. seven eight o'clock. I would even see- go so far. I would go so yeah, far as say that this is okay. When I was growing up, uh, there was a TV channel. It was uh, Channel Fifty Five in Fort Wayne, and on Sundays during the morning and afternoon, they would have action and western movies that I would watch with my stepdad. I would even argue to say that this is during that matinee early Sunday action <laughs> time. I'm, you know what I'm going with. I'm going with. This being on either UPN Power 50, my my favorite local station as a kid, or USA Today, I'm I'm gonna put this at from three to five thirty because this is the movie that you're you're watching as a kid, and then your mom calls you to dinner, and you're like, no, I want to finish this movie on TV. <laughs> right? Like, I agree. This is the movie that you stop watching because you have to go eat dinner. See, like, that's what after school <laughs> special. Yeah. yeah, this is so I'm putting this I'm going to I'm going to go with with 430 430 on the, yeah. <laughs> the midnight clock. Yeah, 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 totally. OK, uh, so I'm back up at the top of the queue. Yeah, Ooh. I, I had to consider a little bit about this because I thought about following this up with one movie that would be very similar, I guess, or at least in the same kind of kind of relative universe i suppose but i've had this ongoing list for four seasons now and i kind of have jumped around it i'm gonna go almost to the top of it and i'm gonna pick this movie that i've had at the top we're going to watch on the next show 
Wes Craven's, in my opinion, sleeper hit, Deadly Friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, John, yeah. I know you're a Wes Craven fan, but have you seen Deadly Friend? I have not, and I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm sure it's fucking awesome. I love it. It's one of my favorite Wes Craven movies. I admittedly have not watched it in quite some time. So we could have a similar circumstance that you had with this, where I watch it now and I'm like, oh, bummer. But I hope not. I hope that my opinion of it kind of uh, is still highly regarding it. But we'll see. I've given given your like the the vein of movies that you do typically like because I mean as much as you know best of the best like I get I understand even the process that I had with the with best of the best watching this like best of the best still isn't like what I associate with you Adam you know but like a West Craven sleeper hit is definitely like I think you're gonna still like it. I just I have a feeling. Yeah, you. Have, what about you, Brandon? Do you, are you familiar with Deadly Friend? Uh, I've never watched it, but it. Upon looking at some other movie stuff the other day, it came up in my search, and um, it looked intriguing. So I'm happy that you mentioned it. Hopefully, it'll leave me craving more of Wes Craven's <laughs> content. Yeah, I hope so too, because he's got some sleeper hits that. Don't often enter the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Brandon. I know you are not a fan of Last House on the Left. Nope. So um, yeah, and you're big. I'm big with, no on I'm that. With, I'm I'm with Brandon on that one. Yeah. Well, I'm the I'm the uh, I'm the dissenting opinion on that. But anyways, so there we go. Deadly Friend on the next one, and okay. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at midnightflixpod at gmail. Uh, we have an Instagram. We also have a TikTok, which I have not updated in quite some time. Uh, we might have a Facebook. I don't know. It's too much social media for me. I'm getting my brain fried. Uh, and with the outro music for the week, John, who's it going to be? Uh, we're going to go with Chicago Power Violence Heartthrob Sea of Shit. Um, we're going to go with Misguided Hatred off of their self-titled 10-inch, which is my favorite record of theirs. They also just came out with a self-titled LP that is uh, making waves right now. Um, and it's it, their first record in a long time, so I'd like to plug that as well. Making waves in that sea of shit, right? Making waves. Shit waves. Straight up shit waves all over the place.